You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and this is our 100th episode! Yes, it is the 100th episode. When I started out, I wasn't sure I was going to get here, but man, am I glad that I did. This is uh, so exciting for so many reasons, and it's a testament to you, the listeners, for sticking with me for 100 episodes. It's a testament to my friends who have come on to help me talk about various topics and whatnot. It is just an overall celebration of all the cool stuff that we've been doing, all the stuff that we're hoping to do, and this is an ending, but it's also a beginning. So there, there it is. There it is. That's the intro. A few things, a few bits of housekeeping first. Uh, You might have noticed that the opening was different from our normal opening. That's because I felt that as it's the 100th episode, I should kind of demo the things that we were thinking about doing with the show and never got around to doing or decided to go a different route. So there were two other openings that we came up with and that we almost went with. And for various reasons, decided first not to go with the first one, then not to go with the second one. There's actually a third one that never quite got to the phase where it could be used as an opening. I was working on editing it down and shortening it, and I never got to the point where it was short enough to be an opening. So there's that too. But anyway, so you're going to hear, you know, after we do our promo this time, you're going to hear the other opening song that we almost had. But I just thought that would be kind of a fun thing to do since it is the 100th episode. The other thing that I wanted to do is apologize for how late this episode is. I realize that as listeners, you probably do get frustrated, you know, when the episodes don't come out on time. I've had various issues this past month, and I realized that even December, the release schedule wasn't all that great, but uh, some minor health concerns, things of that nature, and just overall being busy, work's picked up, stuff like that. But the good news, and this is the thing that I want to, you know, the reason why I'm bringing it up, Ben has already edited the next four episodes, so he is well far ahead And so after this one releases, we've got that. Ben's going to keep chugging along. I'm going to help out where I can. And hopefully it shouldn't get to be like it was, you know, where we go a whole month and we only have one release that entire month. I mean, that's not not what I want to do with this show. And certainly now that we're at the 100th episode, I kind of want to start a new leaf with what I'm calling season two. And so that's the way it's going to be. 
The other thing I wanted to mention is, with all the things that I wanted to do with this episode, uh, you know, I wanted to get back all the people that I felt were critical to the show, either because they helped me with its inception, or because they were there at the beginning, or they've been on the most episodes, and things like that. But a few people couldn't make it for the panel that we did, so I also recorded some one-on-ones. And when I looked at everything that I had recorded, I realized that is just way too much material. Um, I know that we sometimes release some very long episodes, but I didn't think that that was really the best way to go about this. So what I'm going to do is actually episode 100 is going to be broken into two parts. It's not going to be 100 and 101. It's going to be 100.1 and 100.2 or something like that. I haven't decided what I'm actually going to call it. But you know, because you're the one watching this, you'll know what I've decided by then. But basically, because I want the next episode to start, like, the the season two, quote-unquote, of the 42 cast, I'm going to come up with some special name to call the next one. But that's where I'm going to put the one-on-one discussions, because they're, they're just too much. I mean, it's too much to have those plus this. And if I edit them down... You know, when I talk to the people for half an hour, 45 minutes, I edit it down to like a five minute thing or whatever. I mean, it's almost pointless at that point. So yeah, we'll get to those. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, the other thing that I promised, the thing that I promised that I was going to do for this episode was I was going to take questions and those questions could be about me. They could be about the show. For the most part, they did end up being about me or the show, not about any of the other people who are on the show. So more from my point of view. But without further ado, here are the questions. And it turned out, I think it's 25. Let me look. Yeah, 25 questions. Pretty good range, too, of questions. There were only a few that were were fairly similar, so I'm kind of happy with that. But yeah, here we go. First question. What product or genre do you feel, by all rights, you should be a fan of, but you just aren't? I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but it's Battlestar Galactica. I, I realize that everyone, everyone absolutely loves this series. And I watched it because everyone raved about the series, and I, I really don't get it. I, I liked season two, and that's about it. Did not really care for season one. Did not really care for three or four. Even then, season two, it wasn't like one of the greatest shows that I've ever seen or anything like that. I liked it okay. But yeah, it was very clear that despite the show saying that the Cylons have a plan, that the writers were just making it up as they went along. And just because of that, I got very frustrated and... Some of the characters were interesting, but then they decided to make it so that just about every character went through a horrible phase where you can't like them, and then it was just kind of like, okay, well, now I got nothing, so I just don't share it. I don't share the Battlestar Galactica love, so I'm sorry, everybody, but yeah, that's, I guess, my nerd shame now that I've seen Blade Runner. Because that was my nerd shame, if you recall, from episode one as a callback was that I hadn't seen Blade Runner, but I did take care of that. Okay. So, number two, what are you the most proud of about the show, and what's been your favorite episode? I think the thing that I'm most proud of about the show is the design work that my friend Rachel put into it, because I really find the 42Cast logo and the banner that we have on our website to be 
breathtakingly beautiful. I mean, I couldn't have asked for better. I mean, the fact that I have friends who have these skills that are able to help me, and don't get me wrong, I did pay her for her work. I, I didn't ask for it to be free or anything. But I'm just saying, I have a friend who has skills, and I know she probably gave me a bit of a discount from what she would normally charge like a layperson, but I did pay for her work, and the fact that it is so good. And specifically, that artwork and that logo design, that was exactly what I saw in my head, and her ability to translate that. Even the coat of arms she did, again, just what I saw in my although at that one I at least sketched up already and just sent to her and said, this is what I'm thinking of, and she realized that. But everything else, and just verbally described it to her, and she did it. It was just, like, came right off my head. I really love that. And my favorite episode was the first one, I think. We didn't have any topic. We just were talking, basically. I mean, I kind of built structure by saying, let's ask each other questions. But it was completely freeform beyond that. And I really loved that. I thought that that was really great, and I want to do another one of those. And now that we're on the next set of 100, I really think we need to do another one of those. But yeah, that's what I'm happiest with. I think the episode that I'm happiest with. Number three. What was the greatest thing to happen on the show that didn't actually make it on the show? Uh, so... (laughs) This is going to be the worst because I'm going to basically say I know something I can't tell. Because one of the celebrity guests told me a secret off the record. Now... This celebrity guest, I think, didn't realize that I hadn't stopped recording. So I did actually record the thing that I think he would get in trouble for disclosing. But, again, I'm going to honor that because, you know, I mean, I'm not going to, to, you know, anger somebody who told me something in confidence. Especially if, you know, maybe one day down the line I can get them back or whatever else. So I was told something in confidence, something that will eventually be known to the general public. But it is so, so hard to keep a lid on it because I know it would be something that fans are interested in hearing and I know that it would be like a real coup for me to report it first. But again, I just, I I want the show to be respected and I want to be respected so I can't do that. And I'm just going to have such a sigh of relief when this news comes out because this is something that people are going to want to hear. So, yeah, that's that's uh, I hate that I can't answer the question in a way that will be satisfying to those of you who listen to it. But that's the honest truth. And I mean, honestly, when we're chatting offline, you know, when we're doing a panel episode or whatever, I don't remember half those things. And if I think any of those things is worthy of getting in there, then I put it on as an outtake at the end. So I don't really think we have a lot of our discussions outside of the panel that, and and certainly nothing I remember, but, uh, but yeah, that interview, that's the one thing that instantly I thought of is like, oh yeah, that was amazing, but I can't tell anyone. So it's also frustrating. All right. So number four, if you could review, redo, For whatever reason, any episode, which one and why? So I had to think about this one for a while because I'm fairly proud of the different episodes. Some of the episodes had sound problems or whatever, but I'm not sure that I'd want to redo them just for that. Seems kind of almost a trivial reason, especially when you can make out what's being said. It's just a little annoying. So after I thought about it, I realized it was episode 43. And episode 43 was our episode on Timeless Season 2. I really wish I had known at that time that Timeless was going to come back for just a movie. 
because I would have delayed recording the episode until the movie had come out, and then we would have talked about the whole resolution season two plus the movie. Because I didn't feel like the movie on its own was enough to warrant its own episode. But I hate the fact that we ended our discussion of Timeless on a question mark of, is it going to come back for a season three, or is this the end? And, you know, we had speculation on where it's going to go. So we weren't able to talk about really the ending at all. I mean, we talked for a little bit about maybe doing like a short thing you know, like a 10, 15 minute, just really quick talk to just, you know, talk about the movie, but schedules never, you know, lined up. And, and so it just never happened. And so I am kind of disappointed about that because I think Timeless was a show that really deserved us giving a, it's all and discussing it's all. It was one of the more entertaining time travel shows of the last 20 years. And I'm disappointed that we didn't get to talk about that resolution. Number five, without naming names, have there been any close calls with surprise guests? Yes, funny you should ask. And the person who asked this question, I know exactly who asked this question. This was, you know, this is for those of you who have listened to a lot of episodes, you know Ryan. This is Ryan's question, and Ryan's kind of trying to wind me up because he knows that there was a guest where I was talking to their publicist, and it seemed like I was going to get this person on and I don't want to ruin the chance that that might happen. So what I'm going to say is this. This person was a child star in the 80s and is a person whose series was recently revived on Netflix with them being an adult now. Now you can probably guess a fairly short list of who I'm talking about there. So yes, I mean, uh, I'm still hopeful that we could work something out there or whatever because I like to do a wide variety of guests from a wide variety of different things and you know so far we've been kind of clustered around X-Men and Doctor Who and I'd really like to broaden out from there I mean it was great getting Lee Ehrenberg and talking about things like Once Upon a Time but I kind of want to branch out even more so we'll see how things go but yes that that was my close call with a potential guest that hopefully will not be potential in the future. Number six, if you had to MST3K one of your own episodes, which one would you pick and why? I thought this was a really odd question because I think MST3King a podcast would be exceedingly dull because a lot of the humor when you're riffing comes from visual humor, you know, visual cues that you take. And if you're just listening to audio and trying to riff, that's kind of hard because you're talking while the other people are talking. And so that's why riffing is best for movies and TV, so even if you don't hear some of the dialogue or whatever while you're talking, there's lots of visual elements to pick apart. So, if I've got to pick one, then I'm going to go with episode 45, because, honestly, we should never have reviewed The Inhumans, and there's so much to heckle there, so we might as well heckle ourselves for even doing that episode. But yes, yes, 45, that was our Inhumans episode. Might as well heckle it, because my god, that show deserved heckling. Alright, number seven. From the show's inception to now, what's been your biggest surprise and your biggest challenge? Uh, so my biggest surprise is actually getting people who make popular content, getting them on the show. You know, I get people like Will Minio, I got the Edens Brothers, 
I got Eric and Julia Leewald and Larry Houston. And that was amazing to me that I didn't even have to work for those. Like, hey, I'm doing a podcast. I'd like to interview you. Yeah, sure. And the really funny thing is that Will doesn't take interviews anymore. I was like, I don't know if I was the very last person, but I was one of the last people that he gave an interview to. He says that he's too busy now and he would like to devote his time to working on his, you know, creative projects. And so, so yeah, I've seen him. He's basically turned away people from asking for interviews. He's actually turned people towards the interview I did with him and suggesting they listen to that just because he's like, yeah, it's something you can listen to. It's one of the last things I've said to anybody about my time working on stuff. So I, I'm really proud of that. But yeah, I mean, but even getting someone like Lee Ehrenberg, who may not have the most recognizable name in Hollywood, but he's been working for 40 years and has done so much stuff. I mean, that was amazing. That was a real honor to talk to him. So even getting the big finish guest that I got, all of that, I mean, it's been, it's been great. I get to talk to Peter Purvis, for goodness sakes. I mean, one of the Doctor Who companions from the 60s. I mean, that's all been amazing. My biggest challenge... My biggest challenge is editing. I mean, it's no, <laughs> it's no, it's no secret. I mean, that is the thing that I talk about. You can tell because the episodes don't come out on time. Editing is the biggest challenge. Uh, ben has been such a big help, but because I insist on editing certain episodes like this one, even Ben can't save me all the time. So sorry that I insisted on editing this one. <laughs> But it's near and dear to my heart, because it's episode 100, so that's why. Alright, um, number eight. What is your most unpopular fandom, and what rebuttal rebuttals do you want to throw at the haters? Okay, so I had to think about this one quite a bit, too. You know, what is my most unpopular fandom? I almost went with Howard the Duck. That's kind of an easy one to go with. But honestly, I don't have, like, even... I enjoy the movie. I think people hate on it a bit too much. But I don't have that same kind of issue of, no, 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 you're wrong, it's actually great. Howard even has, though, some people that like, like it. And, and so I don't feel it's as ragged on as this one. The one that I feel like literally everyone hates, and I am literally the only person who likes it, and I not only like it, I think it's a great movie, and I don't understand at all why people hate it. And, and I mean, this is unironically, I'm saying this. It's the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. It is a great movie. It is humorous. It's action-packed. It's got drama. It's got love. It's got pain. It's got all the elements you want in a movie like that. And I watched it several times in the movie theater because I thought it was so good. And everyone hates it. And yeah, I realize Marvel's done better things since then. But I mean, but people were ragging on it since it came out. And like I say, I mean, I think of the pre-MCU movies, it stands out as one of the really, really good ones. And I still don't understand what the problem is. I mean, other than I know some people complain because it's not the comics, it's not exactly, but it's a two-hour movie. They weren't able to do the Frank Miller Electra storyline, so they had to do this truncated version where they changed things. But internally within itself, if you're not paying attention to the comics, it works. So, yeah, I don't understand. I think it's a great movie. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I like a movie where at the end the hero doesn't get everything his way. He lost his love. I thought that was great. That was powerful. Love the tragic ending. What more do you want? I don't know.
And all right, number nine. What are you embarrassed to say that you actually like? So this is another interesting one because in general, I mean, I have one of two modes basically in general. One is I'm talking to other geeks and therefore I am not embarrassed of saying I like anything or I'm at work or somewhere in the general public and then I just don't want to talk about sci-fi fantasy or anything at all because I know that the people around me aren't going to get it and so I'm kind of embarrassed about talking about any of it. So, I had to really think hard about this. And I think, really, though, the thing that still... I mean, I still say it. I still tell people I'm a fan of it. But I think the thing, just because of how culture is and how we're programmed since we're little, the thing that I'm most embarrassed to say that I like is Sailor Moon. On the surface, it's this girly kitty show. It would be like saying that I'm obsessed with Hello Kitty. I like Hello Kitty, actually. I think it's adorable. But I'm not really obsessed with it or anything. But I think Sailor Moon is actually this legitimately epic fantasy story that people don't give a lot of credit to. And part of that's because the English dub was garbage and dumbed it down. And there were a lot of problems with that. And if you only know it from the English dub, I can see. Or, you know, but I think in general, though, people who are judgmental of it haven't even watched it and have just seen bits and pieces or images or whatever. But I mean, the thing is... When you're a guy, you're not expected to like something like Sailor Moon that is considered a girly show. I mean, it's kind of like My Little Pony, except that I'm not a huge fan of My Little Pony. I liked the show. I thought it was cute. I watched it with my kids. But I wouldn't say that I'm a brony. I'm not way into it. I'm really into Sailor Moon. That's how my wife and I met, is just because I am really into it. And I think that it is an amazing series. And yeah, it, it makes me feel a little weird to say it. Feel like I get a little bit of judgment about it, but even that's not a huge thing. All right, number 10. Is Wing Commander still the worst movie? <laughs> this is another one where I know exactly who asked this question because he was sitting next to me in the movie theater. Hi, Brian! And he was there when I went to the ticket counter and demanded my time back. <laughs> I didn't want my money back. I wanted my time back. They gave me some really puzzled looks. But yes, yes, Wing Commander is still the worst movie I have ever seen. It failed on all levels. It is ridiculous that the movie was that bad when the a video game that it was based on had an all-star cast. You know, I mean, it was like it was like you go from a video game that feels like a movie to a movie that was just like I don't know, it was like like garbage. I mean, it was it was cheap. It was poorly written. It had a bunch of nobody. I mean, David Warner was in it. And, and when that's your big name star, and I'm sorry, David, I love you, and you are a great actor, you have an amazing voice, but you are not enough to carry a movie. So I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, Wing Commander, that was bad. Okay. <laughs> All right, number 11. I'm really glad this question was asked, because I'm not sure anyone's ever asked this before. I'm not sure I've ever even talked about it on the show. What prompted you to throw your hat into the podcasting ring? Well, go back several years before I started the show, and I was working on editing Sean Castic because my friend Sean was also having difficulty editing, and so I was coming in to help him do his show because I was a fan of his show, and I was basically doing the editing so I could hear the next episode. 
And because of that, he let me sit in on more of the episodes. So I was, you know, in the recording talking on more of the panels, the ones that I was interested in doing. And so you know, I really got a taste for it. And at the same time, learned about the RevCast. My friend Sam had her That Girl with the Curls podcast. So I guested quite a few times on the RevCast. Sam had me on a few times to talk about topics that we could talk about together. So I was really, really part of the podcasting scene, even though I didn't have my own show. Well, fast forward a couple of years, suddenly the RevCast disappeared, and I've still gotten no explanation for what happened there. Like, suddenly, like, no new episodes dropped when I've asked Gary what happened. I've gotten sort of vague, non-committal answers for a while. He then kind of hinted that the show would come back, and then just... It never came back, and I never heard any word, and there were several episodes that we recorded that never got aired, and that was kind of annoying to me, because I'm like, there's at least two that I can think of that we recorded, and then they just never got posted, and I think there might have been even more than that, but there are two, especially, especially the Gargoyles one that we did that I was really, really upset because I really wanted to hear that one and have it and save it, and it's just gone. I asked for the audio files. I never got anything back on that. So yeah, that, that really sucked. Sam stopped doing that girl with the company. Well, first it became really irregular, and now, now she's dropped it entirely. So I wasn't able to talk on her podcast. And then at the same time, Sean changed the format on Sean Castic so that he didn't have guests on the show anymore, where it was just him and Brittany talking about news. So suddenly I had no podcast to be on. So I said, well, gee, if I can't be on other people's podcasts, then I guess I should start my own. So that's what happened. I mean, that's how the show came about. I basically occupied a void that existed because Sean Castic no longer was having guests. The Revcast disappeared and that girl with the curls disappeared. So here I am. And of course, I've involved all the people that I knew from those other venues when I could. So kind of all the same faces, but now on the 42 cast instead of a different show. All right, number 12. What do you think makes for a better podcast? When everyone agrees? When everyone disagrees? Or when there's a mix of the two? I think it's definitely boring when everyone just agrees with each other on a podcast. I've heard podcasts like that. I've been on podcasts like that. It's really boring. Yeah, I agree. I'll restate the thing that you just said. But on the other side, you don't want the thing to devolve into Jerry Springer where everybody's just yelling at each other and it's chaos. So I think a mix is probably best. I don't think it needs to be a mix as long as the people are mature and can debate slash argue without getting upset. So you can have something where everybody disagrees. But yeah, just to create interest for the audience, you need to have at least some disagreement because otherwise, yeah, I mean, you might as well just have one person monologuing there's really no point having the extra voices. Number 13. What topic have you wanted to do a show on, but Hannah haven't managed to get to it yet? So there are two, basically, that I've wanted to do for a really long time I haven't had a chance to do. One is I wanted to talk about the merits of video games and, and tabletop gaming and kind of discuss the pros and cons between the two. And that's just been a hard one because I don't know how many people are interested. I've tried kind of floating it before and I haven't gotten a lot of interest in it. 
I honestly don't think that many people play tabletop games anymore, and that's part of the problem. But yeah, that's definitely one that I would like to talk about. And the other one that I really want to do is I want to do a discussion of the Gamers series. But again, I have a hard time finding people in my circle who have actually watched the Gamers series. I actually made Angie watch (laughs) all the movies and Gamers the series. And so she would probably be up for it, but I need to find other people, and so far I don't have other people who have seen it. So, yeah, those are the two that I've wanted to do for a while, and we just haven't done yet. 14. What do you think is your best and worst feature quality skill when it comes to podcastry? Yeah, I don't think this one is the secret or anything. It's my voice. I mean... (laughs) I hope that I'm not too egotistical in saying that. I've been told my whole life that my voice is an asset. It's not a thing that I get compliments on if I'm ever going to get a compliment. So, yeah, being told for years that I have a voice for radio is just like, well, yeah, this is just kind of a natural fit. So, yes, I I do think that this is my natural medium. So I think that this works pretty well. Number 15. And I think you're going to be able to tell who wrote this one without me saying anything. Number 15. This is exactly how it's written. Aside from Mark Finn, who is brilliant, who are your go-to guests when it comes to talking about controversial topics with some kind of objectivity? So, of course, Mark is somebody that I'd go to for that, because Mark is really good about talking about topics. He talks about them in an objective way. He's very rational, well-spoken. But also, Ryan and Angie, it's obvious why I have them on as much as I do. It's not just because they want on that much, because there are other people that want on a lot also, but it's because Ryan and Angie tend not to get too emotional about things. They tend to be able to talk about topics with uh, objectivity and, you know, be able to think them through and seeing both sides of an argument, things of that nature. So even though I rag on Ryan, I think he's, he's capable of all those things. And, you know, that's why they're my most prolific guests. Number 16. Considering the name of the podcast, what is your relationship to Douglas Adams in general and The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy specifically? I love how this question is worded because (laughs) it implies that I have some sort of relationship to Douglas Adams, which would have been wonderful if I had had the chance to meet him, but he passed away when I was 19, and I I don't think that, uh, you know, (laughs) I I didn't have a chance of going to England at any point before that, even, you know, and I haven't, still haven't been now at 41, but uh, yeah, no, unfortunately, I never met Douglas Adams, but as far as my familiarity with his work, I grew up watching classic Doctor Who, and of course, Douglas Adams famously wrote two stories in seasons 16 and 17, The Pirate Planet and City of Death, and I enjoyed both of those. And in my teens, I read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and that's, you know, I mean, I thought that the joke about 42 being the answer to life, the universe, and everything but then not knowing what the question was. (laughs) You know, now we have the ultimate answer, but we don't know the question. Was one of the funniest things I have ever read or heard in my entire life. And it's always stuck with me. It's always been something that makes me chuckle. So when it was time to do a show that could be about everything, 42 kept swirling around in my head. It's like, how do I incorporate 42? What do I do? Just like the 42 cast. And then I was like, but oh man, somebody's taken that. Somebody has to have taken that. 
And I searched around and I couldn't find another 42 cast out there. You know, I tried spelling out 42, you know, using the number 42. I couldn't find where anyone had done it. And so I was like, all right, nobody's taking this. I'm taking it. Yeah, so that's how, that's how the name came about. Number 17. <laughs> I know from this question who wrote this one too. <laughs> okay. Yes, I know. Everybody's listening to this thinking, well, of course you do. You're the one who's looking at the questions. I actually moved the questions over to another file, so they're all in one place. And it's been a while. Actually, I did this weeks ago, so I don't remember them all, who they came from. But this one, I just know from the question who this is. Number 17. What claims the ultimate food spot out of the following? McDonald's McRib, Arby's Meat Mountain, KFC's Double Down, or Wendy's Quad Baconator? Alright, so Anthony... This is a tough one, but, uh, I, you know, I, I had to think about this quite a bit, because you know I do love a good sandwich. And I have to say it's Arby's Meat Mountain. That was so ridiculously good. I, I hope they bring it back. I just never imagined there would be a sandwich that had every kind of meat on it, and it was as good as you think it would be. I couldn't get away with eating that every day, but just having it as an option was amazing. And yeah, no, it was it was good. It was good. I think it's it's even better than the quad baconator, although I gotta say that's that's really difficult. That is really difficult. But yeah, oh man, Meat Mountain was so good. Alright, number eighteen. Out of all your special guests, who would you say you've had the most fun with? Alright, so just on a level of fun. I'm not saying anything about how nice these people were, how informative they were, anything else. So, not cast aspersions, because I've had a lot of great guests. I've had a lot of fun guests. But the one that I think was the most fun to talk to was Elliot Chapman. Elliot and I had, I think because we're similar ages, we had a lot more in common. We talked about things more like we were just two mutual fans of Doctor Who talking about the show. So I got to be a lot less, you know, I think I still was kind of the formal interviewer, but I was having a lot more fun doing it and I was able to throw out more questions just because I could anticipate and sort of feel them out. And yeah, I, I found that to be such an enjoyable experience just because of that, that it just felt like we were chatting Rather than, say, like, me interviewing Peter Purvis, where I'm just awestruck and just hoping to not appear like an idiot to this guy. <laughs> Alright. Number 19. What is your number one that you would like to appear on the show? I think that's number one guest, but the word guest wasn't in the question. This is another really hard one. I realize that I'm probably going to kick myself later when I think of a better answer or whatever. And even now, I'm, I'm, I'm hedging on two different answers. I'm kind of fixated. <laughs> and maybe it's because I met her at Dragon Con. I'm kind of fixated on getting Emma Dumont. The more I learn about her, the more interesting she becomes. And I wish I had known half the things that I knew about her when I was at Dragon Con. Because this is a woman who is an actress, a ballerina, an engineer 
No, I'm, I'm not making this up. She is an engineer by degree. She goes to robot competitions. She played, uh, you know, she, she does roller derby. And she, I mean, God, in her acting career, she played Polaris on The Gifted. How awesome can you make just one person? Like, how, how, how awesome can they be? And I would just really, really, really love to talk to her. But yeah, there's the other side of me that just says, like, Mark Hamill. Just give me Mark Hamill. I, I gotta talk to Mark Hamill, because he's Luke Skywalker, and I just gotta talk to Luke Skywalker. So, would really love to talk to Mark Hamill. <laughs> So I've got a guest who's more popular for more recent things, and then I've got a guest who's more popular from, you know, sort of classic, classically. But, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Mark Campbell's another one who'd be really cool, because, I mean, like, he isn't just Luke Skywalker, and he's had a career doing other things. I mean, it would be great talking to him about doing The Flash. It'd be great to talk to him about his voice work, talk all about his life and the things that he's gone through, his experiences with fandom and stuff like that. I mean, you're coming back for The Last Jedi and The Mandalorian and all that. So, yeah, definitely, definitely would love to talk to Mark Hamill. Number 20. Any plans for a classic 80s to 90s wrestling show? No. <laughs> I have never been into wrestling. I, I don't understand wrestling. It's, it's one of those things. It's, it's kind of like Battlestar Galactica. I don't know why people watch wrestling. No issue with anyone who that's their thing. I, I just, no, I, I have no interest in it, and I have no interest in talking about it. I played a, a wrestling video game once for the NES and uh, at a friend's house, and that's probably it for any knowledge or anything I have about wrestling. I, I know who Hulk Hogan is and Andre the Giant because they both guest starred in TV shows and movies and things that I saw. But otherwise, I know nothing about wrestling. All right, 21. The made-for-TV Ewok films, why were they not more popular? As far as I know, they're less talked about than the holiday special. Okay, I think that's true. I think it is true the holiday special gets a lot more airtime as far as people talking about it. But I think the reason is the Ewok films were okay. They weren't as amazing as, as the Star Wars trilogy, but they were okay. So people don't talk about them because they weren't especially good and they weren't especially bad. The holiday special was egregiously bad. It is so ridiculously bad that people talk about it because they talk about it to talk about how bad it was. So the Ewok films just being kind of meh don't really generate a lot of buzz because they're not really, you know, special to talk about either good or bad. So, yeah. That's my two cents without doing any kind of exhaustive study, without even being able to prove that the Ewok films are talked about less. But I think that's true, because at least anecdotally, I don't ever... I, I, It's been like, in the last eight years, I've heard the Ewok movies mentioned like once. The holiday special gets talked about every so often, there, there will be conversations about it. Number 22. Who would win in a fight? Hulk Hogan or The Incredible Hulk? I don't know why this is a question. Incredible Hulk smashes Hulkster in one hit. Sorry, Hulk Hogan fans. 23. What has been the biggest surprise you've encountered since you started the podcast? That's another hard one. I, I think that, uh, you know, because I've already talked about getting guest celebrity guests and all that kind of thing. I mean, I guess the other thing that's kind of surprised me is just how many people that I've been able to get on the show to talk on panels and things of that nature. So I never thought 
because I think we're sitting at like 66 guests now. And I never thought that I would have anywhere near that many. So uh, that's kind of surprised me. Uh, I realize it's not like a big, huge thing, but I don't, I don't really know that we've had any huge like surprises on the show. Certainly, I would love it if we had like some surprise celebrity guest or something, but, but that's not happened. All right, so uh, number 24. What would you say is the one property that launched your journey into fandom, geekdom, nerddom? What was it that pulled you in? I'm going to have to go with Star Trek because I don't remember a time when I had never seen Star Trek. So as far as I know, Star Trek has been part of my life since the beginning. Obviously, there has to have been a first time that I watched the original series because back in my earliest memories, there only was an original series. And I was no older than three because I can remember far enough back. I can remember to being three and watching Star Trek. So, yeah, I mean, it's been part of my life since as far back as I can remember. And, I mean, I think it's exploration. I mean, it's the same thing that pulls me into Doctor Who. Classic Who was all about the exploration. And so that aspect, I think the possibilities that it engenders when you can go anywhere in space, or in Doctor Who's case, anywhere in space and time, that fires the imagination. That pulls me in. I really love that exploration aspect. Number 25. What is your favorite video game of all time, and why? So, this one is super hard also. I kind of want to flippantly say Galaga, because that's probably the arcade game that I put the most quarters in over time. I think that game is so ridiculously good. But, talking about video games as a whole, looking at console games, stuff like that, you know, there are a lot of really good ones. But... I think the one that I have to I have to go to because it's the one that sort of influenced my life and sort of influenced my tastes, not only in video games, but in literature and my watching habits and my interests in gaming, even beyond video games. And that's uh, what in America was called Final Fantasy II. It's Final Fantasy IV in Japan. It's been re-released in America as Final Fantasy IV. That game is so ridiculously good. It was so much better than any video game that I'd played until that point. The idea of the storyline, the evolving characters, character death in a game, having it matter, all of that stuff. And it was a video game. It was like as good as a movie. But it's a video game, and I'm taking part in it, and I'm able to make decisions and affect how the story goes, and all of that was so amazing. It got me into RPGs, both in video games and on tabletop. It pushed me more towards the fantasy element from where I'd been pretty hardcore sci-fi up to that point. I mean, I say that, I mean, like, my dad read me Lord of the Rings when I was a kid, so it's not like I didn't have anything to do with fantasy, but definitely pushed me more in the fantasy direction. But that is a video game that was, I played it when I was 12 for the first time, and that was such a big experience for me, and I still think it's the best Final Fantasy game. To be fair, I haven't played all the Final Fantasy games, but I've played a good number, and I think it's the best Final Fantasy game, and I love it, and yeah, that's, that's my favorite. So yeah, I mean, that's it for the questions. Went a little bit longer than I thought, but it was a lot of fun being able to answer those questions, and hopefully I gave you guys some insight into me. Hopefully it's the kind of stuff that you wanted to learn. But yeah, and I definitely like talking about things like why I did the show and why it's called the 42 cast and stuff like that, because I don't think 
I've ever really had the space to talk about that on the show. I didn't bring it up in the first episode, and that was really probably my best time to do that. So it's good to get that out there. But yeah, of course, no five-minute controversy, because here I am just monologuing, and we're going to go into our panel after this, but we're going to pause for a moment for a promo from another fine podcast. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Join the geek revolution and save the galaxy. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Want to know more? Join We Be Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Listen to Weeby Geeks podcast on iTunes and Stitcher or online at WeebyGeeks.net. Weeby Geeks, your voice for the geek revolution. Want to know more? Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have an exceptional episode because it's episode 100! <laughs> I almost went into my standard intro and I was like, what am I doing? This is a milestone. <laughs> you only get 100 one time. I That's assume. right. <laughs> Unless I start calling them seasons. And then I could have 100, episode 100 of season two. So is this a season finale? Yeah, so this would be the season finale. There you go. Somebody's got to die? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, ah. Whedon isn't a producer, but I mean, uh, it's still I a trope, so. I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> Who's the most popular character on your podcast, Nathan? <laughs> Probably Ryan, and, and he yeah, is Ryan not joining us. Then, then, then Ryan's got to start running, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just got to text Nathan. He's dead, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan has died. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, all right. Well, out of the way, guys. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's going to be like Neil deGrasse Tyson sends his regards. <laughs> all right, anyway. <laughs> all right, so you've heard everybody talking already, but let's introduce them. First up, she is my co-host on Time Streams, where we're watching through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. And that is my buddy, Juliet. How are you doing, Juliet? I am awesome. Feeling pretty good tonight. Well, good. And I see you work against... Oh, and that's the other thing. We are actually video... You can't see us, but we can all see each other for the first time on this show. So it's kind of exciting there. But I see you working on something over there, Juliet. So what are you working on? I'm working on a Ravenclaw scarf. I have still have friends that wish to purchase them and they give me the money for the yarn and I give them a scarf. Nice. nice and, yeah. you know, it's a way they can express their fandom without having to worry about patronizing a certain person right. <laughs> i don't know what you mean at all kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So, uh, but no, that's what I'm, that's, this is often what I do during podcasts is knit while we talk. So yeah, Beth, Beth does a lot too. I, not necessarily knitting, but sewing or something crafty with her hands while Except we're. Except during time streams, because then I'm sitting on the computer going through my notes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> notes? I take notes. Right. Yeah, no, that's a time streams thing. We don't do that on the 42 cast, <laughs> but <laughs> So I've always wondered this. Do you have like a list or a website or something where you list all the different things or do people just contact you and just shoot for the moon? People contact me to ask if I can make them something. Uh, A lot of times I try not to like charge extra because I don't want to like really profit off other people's patterns and work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like obviously stuff like this. So if people just like cover the cost of the materials, I'm usually happy enough to make it and People are like, can you make this? Yes, I can. If I came up with the pattern myself, like the hats that must not be named, that pattern I based just from looking at it, and it's my pattern, and I sold those puppies. Yeah. <laughs> the hat that must not be named. <laughs> that's that's uh, such a great title. That's what I had to call it. I know, I know. You, you actually got a cease and desist, didn't you? No, I did not, because I don't have an Etsy store. Oh, yeah. Okay. You were just worried about it. So okay. I was. I was okay. worried and my hat was one of the ones that uh Think Geek actually handed over to the licensing per- person that uh when they did their officially licensed hats. Uh they took several hats from makers including mine and said, "Here, can you reproduce these?" Oh, nice. So your work is now being turned into a profit center for another company. Well, hopefully not since uh, Think Geek shut down. Well, that's right. Yeah, it's been it's been gone for a while. <laughs> yeah, sadly. I did kind of want a wampa rug. Mm. Who does? What can I say? So anyway, yes, I'm doing great. All right. Well, fantastic. And it's good to have you back on the show, Juliet. I am glad to be here, especially for episode 100. I'm giving up some Warcraft time for this. Oh, wow. (laughs) That is, that is special. All right. Well, next up, she is one of my oldest friends. Hmm. She is. <laughs> I, mean, I, I try to that think was of an what to say. Pause there, no, no, bro. No, 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 because it's like Angie's like it's kind of like the thing with uh, with some of the other people on this show who have asked me not to mention certain things, and I'm like, oh man, crap, that was the thing I normally say. And then it's like she doesn't cosplay anymore that much, and she's told me before, well, don't say I'm a cosplayer because I don't cosplay that much. And it's just like Angie's my one of my oldest friends. So hey, Angie, how are you? Hey, I. I- <laughs> I meant to tell you, if this was not why the, the pause, but I meant to tell you that since I've straightened my hair for like 18 years at this point, mm-hmm. the, the Greek statue thing doesn't make any sense either. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm not Greek and I don't have the curly hair. Hey, but Italian, Greek, same general region of the world? Yeah, sure, sure. It's fine. Oh, it's a, you it. know what, though? She has a lovely teal wall. <laughs> No. <laughs> no, it's just it's just funny because and it's funny because we also have Sam on this episode, which spoilers. But it's just because like Angie Angie told me the story that in her high school, like they they like when they did like, you know, people who are most likely to do XYZ, that she got was it in the yearbook that you got like most likely yeah. to be a Greek statue? Yeah. And so that made me think of the Wonder Woman study story about how Wonder Woman was a Greek statue brought to life. And so I've been saying all this time that Angie is a Greek statue brought to life. And 
she doesn't particularly care for me to share that constantly. So, but hey, since you brought it up uh, first, uh, I, I think it's okay on this one. I can keep using it. It makes me sound uh, mysterious and marble. <laughs> but yes, yes. When I first met you, you had curly hair. So it was definitely, uh, yeah, different. But uh, yeah, so uh, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Still, uh, still trying to survive this this pandemic at my job. But I think the end's in sight finally. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean we got vaccines now. Yes, as of today, I think as of this morning. So yeah, it's exciting news. Yeah. So anything going on for you since the last time you were on the show? Last week. No, I got a new laptop to play Cyberpunk. Assuming it's not delayed again. <laughs> that's about it. Well, that's nice. That's nice. I know your job's been kind of killing you lately, and you haven't had a lot of time to do stuff. Yeah. Although you also watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. finally and finished it up. Yeah, I set up a television in the exercise room, so I can <laughs> <laughs> while I work out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you can tell I'm actually liking right now, but I've got my, my underdesk bite going. I don't, I don't knit, so I do something with my feet. Uh, okay, well, I saw you moving <laughs> slightly, and I was wondering if you were just, like, really anxious or something. But okay, that makes a no, lot more sense. No, I'm biking. That's okay. what I do. <laughs> Casually nodding along to whatever you say at this point. Yeah, <laughs> listening exactly. to old music will make I can hear. <laughs> There's a subtle rave going on in the background. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh... <laughs> I'm I'm glad that uh, you see a lot of you are smarter than I am because I don't do anything else while I'm doing this. My my attention is completely focused on the podcast. Putting us to shame over here. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm saying that you guys are smarter. You're more efficient. You're getting stuff done. I think Sean's <laughs> getting stuff done too, but we'll get to him in a second. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's great to have you back uh, back on the show, Angie. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I the the video feed made me a little bit nervous, but everyone's been very pleasant so far. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I was the thing. I didn't want to do video, but then I was kind of forced to do video video by all these cons going virtual, and so now I'm just like, you know what? I don't care anymore. Everyone's seen my face. It didn't kill anybody, so you know, might as well just. <laughs> good looks and let you. But yeah, since this was going to be a big cast, I wanted to have video because then we can see each other and so it should go a little smoother. But yeah, so next up, he is also one of my oldest friends. He is an artist, a creator of all kinds of geeky things, the, the best GM I ever gamed under. And that is my friend, Sean. How are you doing, Sean? Hey guys, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm rocking and clocking and and uh, we're, I'm not sure exactly when this is going to air, but we're like kind of right into the height of holiday season. So, you know, there's a lot of kind of stuff going on, but there's also this weird patina of you're not seeing friends and family. So mm. you're excited for the holidays, but at the same time, you're kind of like, oh, well, it's a little weird because it's funny. Every year, people are always like, man, I got to go see my sisters or I got to go see my mom and my dad, blah, blah. And maybe they may not want to go. But as soon as you're told you should not go, you're like, man, I want to go see my mom, my dad, my sisters, you know, so it's this weird thing, you know, but uh, no, I'm kidding. No, I, I love seeing my family, but it, it is a bit odd this year because we're, we're very specifically staying away from each other because, you know, we're trying to keep as healthy as possible until we get the vaccines, you know, mm -hmm. sometime in 2021. But other than that kind of looming specter, you know, everything's doing pretty well over here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. So what's new and exciting for you, Sean? 
Okay, so the last time I was on was Gargoyles, right? Yes. Okay, so since then, let me see. Not a whole lot has really changed since then. Uh, like I said, holiday season kind of stuff. Pretty much just been kind of going along, finishing up some artwork, like you said. Uh, been uh, filling a lot of orders for people getting stuff ready for the holiday season. They've been, you know, asking for pixels and, and other kind of materials. So been really busy just doing the art and, and whatnot. And then getting ready for 2021 because... Uh, we talked about this before. I always kind of live like six months ahead, trying to plan out what's happening six months down the line. So six months down the line, things are going to start to possibly look more or less normal. I'm looking into June and July already. So I'm like, wow, I got to start prepping for that now. And it's a little weird after having a year where nothing's really been going on. So it, mm -hmm. it is a bit of a weird jump start, but it's cool. It's exciting though, because uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, hopefully going out there and seeing some folks I haven't seen in well over a year. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But other than that, not a whole lot, just living life, watching a lot of fun movies, doing fun marathons and, and catching some stuff, uh, catching up on stuff that I haven't watched before just to see what it's like and been enjoying the, the surprises I've found. So yeah, it's good times. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, as far as like binging stuff, I mean, this has been like the great time to catch up on all the stuff that you've been meaning to watch, but haven't Seriously. gotten to because it's like, oh, I don't go anywhere, do anything. In fact, I'm at home working. And so then it's like during what would be my lunch break, I just go, go move over to the living room and watch an episode of something. You right, know? exactly. And, Right. So, yeah, it's uh, I've gotten through quite a few shows that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's basically it, you know, um, but it, it, it's been fun. I, I've been running across all kinds of weird stuff like uh, Laura and I just discovered the show called Nailed It. Is anybody here familiar with Nailed It? <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> Okay, so I saw it, and it was a holiday edition of Nailed It. I was like, okay. And the thing is, I've never wanted to watch this show because I don't want to just laugh at people for just being bad at baking. But the whole point of the show is we're going to get three truly horrible bakers, and they're going to have, like, 45 minutes to make this super complicated thing. And we're going to laugh at their abysmal reproductions of this stuff. And whoever does it the least worst wins $10,000. <laughs> So they know going in that they're already going to be made fun of. So I was like, well, I'll watch a holiday one. And Laura and I were like crying. We were laughing so hard <laughs> because they fail so hard. It's been delightful. We've been spreading it out over the last couple of weeks. We've been like every uh, couple of days, we'll watch an episode and we're just... You just can't stop laughing at it. It's pretty funny. I maintain that Nicole Byers is the national treasure and we should protect her at all costs. <laughs> I seconded. <laughs> okay, well, sounds like something I might want to check out. Yeah, please do. But uh, yeah, it's good having you back on the show, Sean. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem. And next up, he is the guy who used to look like Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> <laughs> not so much anymore uh but it sounds like he should be on the satellite of love and that's my friend mike nelson how are you doing mike i'm good i'm doing good brother i'm doing good <laughs> i was unprepared for your hair everybody is <laughs> this is turning into like a hair talk podcast but everybody you know. on this podcast has an amazing head of hair good job us we rock <laughs> thank you 2020 thank you covid <laughs> thanks mom and dad for these fine jeans <laughs> so mike how, how have things been going because i remember you posting on facebook a while back that you have like eternal covid that like will never go away or something like that and i've been kind of worried about you yeah so so i did have the covid it did get me and so with that, it really turned in like, I thought it was food poisoning at first, but then it definitely turned in. I tested positive. And so I was only really sick 
for about seven days. Like a uh, fever sweats, just grogginess, just fatigue was down. Like I tried, I tried pulling up Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links on my tablet. I'm like, you know what? I don't even want to look at you. Just going right back to bed. So, uh, but then after I felt better and was great, it just was three more tests of positive for a whole month that I was just working from home. I was just, after two weeks of it, I was like, you know, what? I'm done. I, I, I'm stressing. I'm a control freak. I need to be in the office. They're, they're not doing their job. Like, I'm not, I don't want to go on the security camera, but I know they're not doing their job because I, so I just freaked out. Uh, so, but I'm now COVID free, uh, testing negative two times a week and uh, i feel much much better now well that's good to hear because like yeah i remember you telling me that the test keep coming back positive and it was well you know past the two-week point and it was kind of scary there yeah four tests positive while my girlfriend who i live with in the one-bedroom apartment four tests negative (laughs) he barely had a cough (laughs) that's amazing she must have a great immune system No, she doesn't. Oh, <laughs> Bonnie hates her. And she made a deal with the devil. Uh, right. Yeah. Really just, yeah she just immune to COVID, nothing else. <laughs> that explains what the altar is in the corner of the room, Mike, right? So now you understand. Uh, yeah. By the way, for, for those who do not understand the transformation that Mike has gone through, I, I would love to interject this. Mike has gone from full Jeffrey Wright to full Cornell West, okay? <laughs> <laughs> And that's not a bad thing, because Cornell West is, like, one of the coolest guys of all time, okay? It's meant as a compliment. No, absolutely that is meant as a compliment. I love Cornell West, man. Cornell West is one of the few people who have ever shut down that guy, Bill Maher, that that really Mm -hmm. just kind of smarmy comedian. Mm, Uh, He does that, what's that show, Real Time? He he tried getting smart with Cornell West, and Cornell West shut him down in, like, 15 seconds. It was beautiful. If you've never seen it, <laughs> Google it. But right now, Mike is basically like gone like full Buddhist Cornell West. That is like a level up, in my opinion. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's like you didn't have enough things, Mike, because you're like the spitting image of Jeffrey Wright. You've got the name Mike Nelson and you're a T Rex. Yeah. It's, I'm definitely a full package. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you told your girlfriend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and he's he's over covid now right so he's got covid immunities for 90 days or whatever so go for it buddy <laughs> you're invincible now roam the earth <laughs> is this the time the first, man. 20 i just need to know uh, my brain just went to that scene at jurassic park where it says where dinosaurs roamed the earth and i just want to say when mike roamed the earth <laughs> like little, little t-rex are <laughs> Greatest still shot ever. <laughs> I'm sure Mike will do it if we if we want him to. <laughs> he'll, he'll do the photo with. <laughs> like his background is just that banner. He's just like. <laughs> yeah, and of course I have to shout out to Sean's artisticness because I got my boy Frankie up on the wall. Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. see him. <laughs> always behind me. Always look, always watching my back. Thank you. Great. Well, it's good to have you back on the show too, Mike. Yeah, it's good to be back, brother. All right. And finally, someone who hasn't been on the show in a couple of years, even though you've heard her more recently than that, because I suck at releasing episodes. Yeah, I was going to say, you released one. I was on for... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was early this year I released it, but we recorded it in 2018. What? (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. 
wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Explain that one. You how? So, like, I prioritize episodes, and sometimes some slip through the cracks. For <laughs> two years. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Sean, <laughs> you have no room to talk, and you know it. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. My last update on Sean Castic was three years ago. So, there you go. That's that fine. But no. But wow. That that that's a delay, though. That's yeah, there are probably it's... pop culture references in there that have not aged. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes it's a little. It's I mean, a little if you problem. count Justice League as a full pop cultural reference that hasn't aged well, <laughs> then oh damn! Yeah, no, I'll come out here and bite the head off of the <laughs> shots fired. Oh man, that was... already they haven't even started on the Snyder Cut yet, but the Joss Whedon. <laughs> <sighs> so, as you've already heard, clawing her way out of an, a dingy archive somewhere. Oh, we've been, we've been. <laughs> Oh, okay. That, here we go. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Not, oh, okay. We have talked about this archive stuff. I'm an archivist by day, uh-huh. by night. We know this, but <laughs> and the crimes against archives right now. Are you assuming it's in a dusty basement? I work in a very nice building usually when there isn't a plague on. Okay. <laughs> and now I work in my room. Okay. So my sure. archives is actually quite lovely and spacious. Okay. No I'll doubt. still just imagine the warehouse from Indiana Jones. All right, f- you. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the basement in Ghostbusters, where all the ki- all the uh, um, uh, uh, card catalogs started spewing up the the the, the cards you and whatnot. The That's library? What I was the library? Yeah, the, at the, at at the, the library. Not no, the but in the basement of the library. I said the basement of a library. In Ghost- I you. said basement really? library Ghostbusters, and You're I was like, "What the car- making it worse, John? Stop it!" <laughs> Oh, hey, you know what? You know what, though, Sam? My episodes came out more more, more quickly than yours. I'm just saying. So. <laughs> I mean, I'm playing. No. I'm playing. I'm, I'm playing. not going to argue with that. What I will argue with is the depiction of archives in media, which is That's why fair. I have That's a website fair. called Pop Archives. I defer to Sam on this one. You're wrong, Nathan. Yeah, yeah, apparently. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How are you doing, Sam? I'm good. I'm drinking wine, so I'm probably better than I would be. But no, I'm I'm good. Uh, yeah, because the episode that came out was the Justice League, which we did two years ago. It came out early. It was actually the Infinity War one. Was it? Yes, oh. it was Infinity War. <laughs> the Justice League one was also late, but not that late. Okay, all right. So Infinity War mildly better than <laughs> Justice League by a few leaps and bounds. But yeah, no, that was the last one, and yeah, just chilling, just kind of hanging out started the the newer version of the website pop archives where i talk about media like not necessarily media but pop cultural depictions of archives and archivists which is my chosen profession that i continue to be in despite everything but yeah i think the most recent article i put out as of when we are recording this was one about hades so yeah because there's a there's a there's secret archives in there that no one wants to talk about, but I'll talk about it. That's <laughs> it's, it's uh, good for you to uh, shine a light on those things that you know people don't want to talk about. Yeah, because then you get references to Indiana Jones as if that's comparable when it's storage. It's storage, <laughs> Nathan. <laughs> okay. Storage. <laughs> you don't think it's organized in any way? Nope. It's not, it's not archived storage. Nope. <laughs> it is okay. not, Sean. I'm just asking for clarification. The inquired minds want to know. That's all. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Actually, I do have a question though. Okay, yeah. so like I'm assuming when you're 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 re- re- uh, writing these articles, you're rating how awesome the archives are or unawesome these archives are. It's generally speaking, kind of like looking at where does the archives, wh- where do you find the archives in this particular piece of media? Okay, what are they doing with it? You know, in terms of like, is it helping with the story? Is it just a place that a person goes to? Is there an archivist present? And if not, how the hell are they finding everything? That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> like my, uh, so one of my, one of my best friends, Rachel is a Supernatural fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, rip super, Supernatural, I suppose. But uh, we're going to eventually be doing, I'm starting a podcast for Pop Archives to kind of more flesh that out. But we want to talk about Supernatural and how they use libraries and archives, but you never see someone helping them do it. Like, we're invisible to make the heroes look smart, but when we do show up, it always seems that we don't know what we have or what we're doing, or why did we get into this profession that caused me to go into debt, you know? <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it's, it's mostly just trying to figure out like how that piece of media is utilizing the archives and, you know, does that help hinder our profession, like in terms of like visibility and how people might perceive of us. Okay, cool. Again, going back to Nathan's example, the only thing people will want to talk about is Indiana Jones, which is a 30-year-old franchise. <laughs> and we have nothing no, no. in between. <laughs> only if you forget about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> what? I don't understand. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that... <laughs> There's only three movies in the Indiana Jones trilogy. I don't know if you understand what trilogy means, Nathan. It means... Right. And that's science, sir. Yeah. So. Right, yeah. No, I, know. I know science. I'm an archivist. <laughs> Yeah. It's just science, yo. But uh, it's good to have you back on the show, Sam. It's good to be back. <laughs> it's probably the wrong venue for this, but sometime I do want you to explain to me exactly what is an archive as differentiated from other forms of storage of information and stuff. <laughs> I would gladly sit down and talk with you about that for a very long, long time. <laughs> the hot pokers. Like, right. <laughs> out of the session we have you will undoubtedly know the difference between an archives a library and a museum mm. or both all three and a collection and well okay a collection's in in an archives no oh, okay we have a long way to go on this one okay yeah yeah but uh yeah let's on get to have you on sam too. explains her job right, exactly. <laughs> this is the answer to everything podcast we should have a series of spin-offs i mean it's true <laughs> That's the problem. Juliet and I have talked about doing a Star Wars one. You know, I've already got the Doctor Who one. You know, it's like it's going to it's 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 going to become a problem because I can talk. I could do them all. I could record them all. The editing is the problem. So. Yeah, I don't know about that pain at all, Nathan. <laughs> right. So yep. that's the problem. But you know, since you mentioned Star Wars, how did you like the Jedi Temple archives in? in Attack of the Clones. Not only did they show the archives, they showed an archivist there. Yeah, an archivist who assumed that if something wasn't in the archives, then it must not be real. So it's problematic. Fair enough. But at least they put an archivist in there. Sure. Right? An incompetent one. Hey, she was old. She was forgetting stuff, you know? I mean, her oh. lightsaber was in her hair for crying out loud. Uh-huh. It yeah. Wasn't. That's how that works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, actually, my my former mentor at um, Washington, uh, Western Washington University, where my program was, uh, he used the example of Attack of the Clones in his presidential speech to the Society of American Archivists, actually. As a positive or a negative? No, as a negative. Okay. <laughs> 
as a, hey, guess what? There's an archive. And oh no, the archivist doesn't, <laughs> doesn't believe a planet exists because of- I think like if you're an archivist, you get a minor and just be salty a little bit about being an archivist, right? Like, you know what? Well, we've only got- His archivist does actually sound like a villain name. <laughs> the archivist? <laughs> does. I have to agree. I mean, you're not wrong. We could be villains, but no one ever bothers to get to know us well enough to give us a character. Not to mention the fact that they know where all the cool stuff is, right? So, right, so like, if anybody's going to know where all the cool stuff is that will screw over the world, the archivist will know. Presumably, yes, but we're not going to tell you about it because you didn't ask nicely. That's right. You know, you just assume that you're smart. You're going to figure it out yourself. Fine, go do it. I don't care anyways. Yeah, but. you came in here. You want to find it? Oh, no, you don't? Okay, fine. Maybe we just don't know what you'll accept as sacrifice. Ooh, that's a good Hot one. Pockets? <laughs> no. I don't know. What is an archivist wolf for a sacrifice? Oh, request paper? to die, John. <laughs> Hot Pockets is the wrong answer. I'm sorry, Hot Pockets is the starship. wrong answer. <laughs> like Krispy Kreme donuts? Like what? Like what's the... I mean, well, I personally don't care for Krispy Kreme, but you know, that's just, that's a personal thing. So uh, you're more of a or, Duncan person? Maybe. Okay. I mean, or just a local Safeway where I can just walk over and get it. Nice, nice, okay. <laughs> so, interestingly enough, I don't know if anyone's ever uh, heard of the Magnus Archives, the uh, the podcasts. Um, it's by this company called Rusty Quill. Um, they're based out of the UK, and they are in the final season of their podcast, Magnus Archives, which actually, for the first four seasons, takes place within an archives in London. And uh, I did a... So October October seventh, I believe it was this year, was National like Archives uh, National Ask an Archivist Day, and I am friendly with some of the people in Rusty Quill and asked if I could do an Ask an Archivist Day for their Discord server. So it's like you have all these fans of the Magnus Archives, which many of them probably don't know what actual archivists do because they're listening to a horror podcast. And so I went on there and like for two hours, like talked to them about like what an archives is, what it isn't, you know, experiences I've had in archives, how I would archive the spooky that they have, you know, those kinds of things. So you have to put yourself out there and do the outreach yourself sometimes. (laughs) But highly recommend the Magnus Archives if anyone's listening to this. Cool. Yeah, I've heard you reference it before. I've seen you post about it or or whatever and reference the name, but I had no clue. kind of obsessed with it, Nathan, just a little bit. Okay. How often do you have an archivist as your main character? I'm asking you. Yeah, no, I mean, not not, not often. Because I, I, <laughs> no. I keep thinking, like, like this whole time I'm trying to think, like, what would you, because, like, it's like, okay, so Indiana Jones, you didn't say counted. I was like, so I was like. He's an archaeologist. But I was like, I was like wait, wait. He's a treasure. No, 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 no. You said that they, you know, no, no, I didn't mean he has a character. I meant that, like, the archive, or what I would consider the archive in Indiana Jones didn't count as an archive. So I'm trying to think of where, where I've seen archives before. And so then I was thinking of, uh, of My Little Pony, but I was like, no, that's a library. And so I was like, mm-hmm. and I thought of the librarians, and I was like, no, by definition, that's a library. And so- Also, they're not really librarians. <laughs> and, and, and don't even think about bringing up Warehouse 13. <laughs> I haven't that's seen close. it. That's, that's what I was wondering. Closer. Closer. I, actually, I actually did a, a thing for the Society of American Archivists. I wrote an article about Indiana Jones's influence on our profession, as well as Warehouse 13 and the librarians, because they're the closest in like uh, spiritual sequel type things to it in the sense that it's a smart action hero who's doing smart things, but also shoots a gun. And, <laughs> and the librarians, the librarians I had more of an issue with because 
They're not actual librarians. None of them have an MLIS degree, which is a master's in library and information science. Um, none of them have a degree in archives. History even seems to be a little wishy-washy. Well, to be fair, you don't know if Jenkins does or not. If Jenkins did, I would buy it. But the rest of them, no. Right. None of them are professional information management type people. Mm. At least in Warehouse 13, they have a warehouse where they do tagging and descriptions and they have a database and everything. The librarians has a magic book. Right. That's not going to get you anywhere. <laughs> so wait, wait. Okay, so wait, hold on, hold on. So, and I know, Nathan, this this is your podcast now, so you just got to live with it. Um, but, my podcast now, I'm taking it over. Right, this is because I have too many questions. Okay, so I know that technically his cover was a librarian, but Giles, would you consider him more of an archivist? Oh, as a watcher, because he always had like his so, collection and stuff. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I've been working on doing a thing where I kind of like look at certain characters that people might think were archivists or if they mm. were not like i did blathers from animal crossing um because he's a because <laughs> he's a musician. no no please, please i'm please, just yeah. laughing at mike's expression during this whole conversation because mike just looks like mildly concerned and somewhat disturbed the no. whole time because i because now i'm warehouse 13 and the librarians like i kind of count the librarians room kind of as an archive because it has all the stuff I'm you're, you're, now, on the screen you're right next to her she'll reach over and slap <laughs> you okay so like <laughs> <laughs> on my screen i'm above him so oh on mine you're right next to him so it's like yeah. all right all right so this is a legit question since the library contains artifacts as well as books does that not make it an archive no Okay. Archives are about access as well. Like the only people who are accessing the library and the librarians are the librarians. Mm -hmm. The librarians. So if no one else is using it, like they're basically hoarders uh, who've got a lot of magic stuff. <laughs> and, they're not archivists, damn it, they're hoarders. This is what I didn't understand. I figured if you have a repository of things that is. <laughs> You yeah, know, you have more than just books, it's an archive. You're not trying to keep people from using it. You would like people to use it so that they might do the research. Right. Um, and, and in librarians, no one gets to look at anything there unless they are a librarian in this exclusive club that no one else can get into except for the five people okay, who are in it. Okay, so Nathan, um, you need to watch Warehouse 13. I believe I sent I know, you bought it for me, so I will watch it. <laughs> Wait, Nathan, oh, go no. see Warehouse 13. The, magi the magician. I think I want to talk to Sam about the magicians, so watch that one too. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I hey, you, no, no, the other one you had me. I'm, I'm watching into the Badlands before that. Oh yeah, well that's not about archives. Well, that's I know, but I'm just saying. I mean, like you're you're. you're, you're, you're shows are about. Into the topic, man. Okay, come on. <laughs> she's just like picking out like my next three years of viewing. It's like, and you're gonna watch this, and then you're gonna watch Ooh. that, and then you're gonna watch this. I mean, Warehouse 13 is quick. For posterity, so yeah, it. I mean, Warehouse 13 is like a real quick watch, though. I mean, it's five, it's five seasons, but it's it's rapid fire. Like, yeah. once you start, no, no, the, the, the real the bottleneck end. is that's what I'm going to watch with Beth. So that's going to be. Oh. So I'm not going to watch it like binging it. Like you know, Got that's it. that's going to be like maybe t once or twice a week. We'll watch two or three episodes. Got it. Yeah. But to answer yeah, so your like a question, yeah. John. Um, oh yeah. No, I'm planning on actually doing a thing writing up about Giles because. I mean, it's also been a very long time since I've watched Buffy. Mm. And I feel like, especially with a character like Giles, I would have to watch a lot more than maybe I'm comfortable <laughs> wanting to watch over again. But for now, he's considered a librarian because ipso facto worked in a library. 
but there could be a case made for him to be an archivist. It's kind of like uh, Yanto Jones from okay. uh, Torchwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some people have considered him an archivist, and so it'd have to be more of like, okay, what does he do that people think makes him an archivist? And maybe like, where can I find how he might be one? Hmm. Because just because you work around a lot of books does not a librarian or an archivist make. If that were true, my room currently has like several bookcases. I have many leather-bound books. Trump <laughs> <laughs> with paperbacks. Oh, yeah, I, I could describe my office as a library, probably, but not an archive. It would right. be a personal library, right? You know, for your personal library needs. <laughs> but you're not giving that stuff out to people, are you? Right, but by definition, a library doesn't have to involve people, other people having access. So, well, that's, that's what she's I know. I know that's it's a library, not an archive. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like, what type of library you got? You got a public library? You got a library for your institution? Like, what are the, it's all about levels of access. Mm. And the less you have, the more likely you're into archival, curatorial areas. The more access you have, a bit more, you know, public libraries where people kind of congregate and those things. So that's actually what the first episode of my podcast is going to be about is like, what is an archives? You know, just to kind of like put that distinction out there. And I'm going to have friends of mine who are also archivists so they can back me up on this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just looking I forward to your... that you're, you feel like your, your profession is so like spat upon that you need like, oh no, we're going to have like a whole bunch of archivists so we can all agree with each other so you okay, know it's what true. Did you first say to me, what did you first say about my profession? <laughs> oh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> I wonder why I need people... I didn't know that would be office. offensive. I would love to be compared to something in Indiana Jones. So it's like, you want to be you want to be compared to a grave robber? Like, oh, grave robbing! Come on! <laughs> he's not even a good archaeologist. <laughs> no, no, he's not a good archaeologist. <laughs> That's a whole other story because we all. Uh, I'm sure everybody here has heard my rant about the fact that Indiana Jones is like the most ineffective hero ever, <laughs> except for in Temple of Doom. But that's a whole other thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's not go there. This man, man is. I love the movies. I love them. The three that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no He's, he does not represent my profession it's a shame they never did another movie about him after you know the world war ii yeah it and been i'm great glad that they never did a tv series about him as a kid no it's not at just, all i mean it seems like there's so much there that yeah. you have latched on to and yet they didn't like i wonder how indy would have handled communism i i, I would have loved to see the that, facial you know? expression we'll never know, we'll never know. <laughs> I kind of wish he had found the city of Atlantis. I don't know why no one ever wrote that. Book. <laughs> I know. Okay. All right. So let's broaden things out a little bit so people can talk about things that don't know anything about archives. Sorry, Nathan. I took over. <laughs> it's fine. No, oh, wait, it's fine. Fair, I, I, I figured this one would go off the rails with the personalities we had on it. So, you know. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. But let's be fair, though. We actually didn't talk a lot about archives. We talked about everything that wasn't an archive. And Sam just basically get like a kill list. You know, so she's like, this is all going to my movie. And when you all die, you know why. You know, so like, we're just going to be very thinly named versions of like us on this movie. She's like, they're all going to die in the movie. We're, we're going to wind up in Sam's archive as like exhibits. Right, you know, <laughs> you know, it won't be Mike Nelson. It will be like Mike Nacho, and Mike Nacho gets hit by a car or something. You know, you know, Nacho it, had it, a family. Right, right, I'll be, I'll be John Rose, and John Rose will fall down on some bullets. You know, John Rose was two days from retirement, man. <laughs> He's too old for this. <laughs> I also fall back on my lethal weapon trips. So. <laughs> 
saved the orphans. He saved the orphans. Just don't sit on that toilet bowl because it's got dynamite underneath it. All right. All right. Let's be scientists now. <laughs> so we're at episode 100. The show's been around for four years, which, you know, if you do the math, you realize that that's not. <laughs> a weekly show should have hit episode 100 before that, but oh well. We, we got there, and that's the important thing. The important thing isn't winning the race. It's finishing the race. And, and I'm going to keep saying that until I believe it. But... <laughs> it's like that cake song, he's going the distance. <laughs> right, exactly. So pop culture, you know, stuff, lots happened in four years. And so I thought something that's fairly recent, that's been a big kind of sea change that, that we could talk about is our thoughts about HBO Max releasing the Warner movies, you know, on their release date. So they go straight to streaming for everyone who, who doesn't, you know, want to risk going to a theater or lives in an area where there are no theaters open. So Mike, let's start with you. Because you've been kind of quiet over there with your very concerned look on your face. Uh, <laughs> we've been talking about archives. Jokes, you know. <laughs> it's like, it's what do you call a group of archives? Uh, right. So, yeah, <laughs> we've all been given so much to think about. <laughs> See, here's the thing. It's like, we've all been given so much to think about about the place of archives in our lives. But as soon as this is over, we're all going to forget about it. So. Oh, oh, pop quiz. <laughs> oh god sam anytime that you're like nathan you have to put me on your next episode i'll put you on the next episode and you can give us a quiz <laughs> so yeah mike what do you think about this whole thing do you think that this is great do you think that this is going to like destroy the movie industry because you know christopher nolan came out today with some choice oh words god. about warner and, you know, I mean, I do worry because, I mean, you know, Mark Finn, who's been on several episodes, I'm pretty sure you've been on an episode or two with him also, you know, he owns a movie theater. And so, you know, I do worry about people, especially those who, you know, own small theaters. They're not part of a chain or anything, you know, like what this is going to do to them. Yeah. So, you know, like, what do you think about this whole thing about Warner releasing through HBO Max? Well, I mean, I definitely, I've been in the movie theater industry for like close to a decade uh and that I mean that was my first job and moving on and as someone who has definitely been in movies uh thank you my stunt double jeffrey wright uh, we're doing a great <laughs> job in london on batman by the way um the hair just gets pushed down it's a bunch of cgi it's great stuff so i have hbo max and i literally am using it just to watch only whose line is it anyways <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not a bad thing to watch. It, it sounds expensive to be the only thing you watch, but okay. Yeah, and then it wasn't until I, I remembered or realized that Doctor Who was on there. Now, of course, the classic stuff, but the new right. stuff. So I've been binging that with my girlfriend. It's been a great trip. So now it's actually worth it. Being with HBO Max, having the Wonder Woman movie come, uh, come to HBO Max, and then now we're going to have a whole Warner Brothers slate for 2021. Like, I literally, like, this is it. This is what, you, especially in times of COVID, this is it. Like, I mean, I definitely have friends in the movie theater industry, uh, and I feel for them because also they've lost their jobs because Regal shut the doors down. Mm -hmm. But when the doors are shut, what else can you really do, you know? So I am definitely 100% on board with the movies coming to the streaming service. I'm a person who also has Disney+, Plus, and I definitely gave the middle finger for Disney trying to give me get me to pay $30 to see Mulan. No, 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 no. Your streaming service, 
you're not going to do that, and I'll definitely wait for it to go free, and I still haven't actually watched the movie. It got bad reviews. That's not great. But I'm 100% on board with the movie, movie theater slate uh, coming to HBO Max, and I, at this point, like, I'm definitely a cut quarter. I don't, I can't go to the movie theaters. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to spend that kind of money on a movie theater, but if I can at least watch a movie here in my home at the comfort for a month, yeah, I'm definitely down. I'm okay with it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm the same way. I mean, obviously, I got two kids here and everything, too. So it's like if I was single, I'd, I'd probably risk going to the movie theater, but, you know, not, not with a wife and two kids here. I'm not going to risk giving that to somebody else. So that's the thing, you know, so that's why I, I don't really leave the house much anyway, except to go get groceries is I don't want to be, you know, br- you know, I don't want to bring that out, you know, to somebody else. So it's interesting, though, because it's like there's two things that you talked about that I want to tee up on. But the first one, I think, is the price point, because Disney was basically like, hey, movies be expensive, yo. <laughs> we got to charge you 30 bucks for Mulan on top of the streaming cost. And... I was the one that was saying this is not reasonable and Mulan was the wrong movie in my opinion. Even if Disney wanted to do that, like Black Widow or something like that would have given the incentive. But, you know, Mulan gave me no incentive to spend that money. So I'm just kind of curious about that too. Like, I mean, obviously everybody's going to like it being free, but what do you all think about that? Do you think that this is something that, you know, Warner can sustain or do you think it's something that they're just doing as, as as a way of undercutting the competition to get everybody on HBO Max or do you think that this is like the new future everybody's just gonna have to release free on their streaming services so sean i saw you waving your hand were you were you wanting to say something i did i did um so the thing that we have to keep in mind is warner brothers was very specific they were talking about the fact that this is strictly for their 2021 slate and uh what they're meaning by that is from what i can understand is they realize that even though during 2021 we're going to get back to some kind of subjective normalcy. It's not going to be completely normal, but people are going to start getting their their vaccinations. It's going to be safer to go out. You're not going to have to worry about these things, but people will still probably be a little gun shy about going to the theater. Warner Brothers knows this. They know that they have a slate of movies that have already been pushed back a year. Look at Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was supposed to come out on June 4th, Uh, of 2020 and has already been pushed back six months and at one point they were talking about it being june of 2021 Mm -hmm. that's money that they're sitting on and they're not capitalizing on at the same time hbo max is also the most expensive pay service out there right now and for a lot of reasons that is something that warner brothers needs to find a way to incentivize people to come to when you look at disney disney said hey we're going to bundle this with hulu if you get disney and you get hulu you're also going to get espn they have a really nice trinity of entertainment that draws people to that package for a very low price point. Whereas HBO is just HBO, even though that's not really accurate because you also get Sesame Street, you get Cartoon Network, you get Adult Swim, mm. uh, you get uh, uh, Doctor Who stuff in there. Yeah, I've heard some people saying that they should rebrand as like Warner Network or something. Or you Right, know, right. You, know, you get yeah, all the old Looney Tunes. More yeah, you get HBO. all the Looney Tunes stuff. You get all of DC. There's a lot under that umbrella, but people don't realize there's a ton under that umbrella. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they're having a bit of a problem getting people to understand what's the value of HBO Max. So this idea is let's go ahead and start putting our movies in theaters again. Let's give theater owners content because no matter what anybody says – if you want a theater experience, you want new content, you want to go to the theater. And there are a lot of people out there who want to follow that through line. They want to go and see 
movies in a big theater with their bucket of popcorn and their giant drink. For those folks, this is perfect. But for the folks who are still gun shy for the next 12 months, this allows them to also see it, grab onto this new platform, see all the content underneath it and bring more people into it. In my opinion, it's kind of the best move because they're not charging an extra premium. They're not doing that stupid Disney thing of, oh, let's charge 30 bucks. Mm. If you're going to charge a rental thing, do what Universal does, where they're like, it's going to be between 10 to $20, depending on how expensive the movie is. You rent it, you get it for like three or four days, and then you, you, know, you can buy it later on. Uh, hell, Bill and Ted 3, when it came out, I didn't even realize it. I thought I rented it, but I accidentally hit the buy button. It was five extra bucks. So instead of it being a 20 buck rental, it was 25 bucks. I'm like, I'll, I'll totally pay 25 bucks to see bill and ted mm -hmm. and just have it in my archive you say what it was totally worth it too oh it was absolutely worth it i love that movie man you know so i mean if you're not just doing a pay-by-play i think that the, this idea of having it there for four weeks and then it leaving is still a brilliant plan because every week that goes by more people are going to want to start going back to the theater and nobody's saying that at some point during the year, you know, the, the theaters are just hopping so much that Warner Brothers is like, you know what, we're going to cancel the back half of our HBO Max if it's not turning profitable, bringing people into that platform. So I think it's pretty smart. Yeah, I, I don't know, though. I, I know they're saying this only applies to 2021, but I have a feeling that it might creep into 2022, 2023, 2024. Right. I mean, that's what we have to realistically look at as well, because there's a whole swath of people in this country of America that don't believe in vaccination. Right. And, you know, the theater is a prime. I mean, it's like theaters and airplanes are mm -hmm. places where you can very easily get sick. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, just by virtue of being in the vicinity or the building or whatever. So I think that it's, I mean, I agree with Sean. It's a smart move because you are giving people access to the movies that you have already filmed and hopefully edited well i mean at this mm -hmm. point you you have no excuse right um we don't want a cat's situation again <laughs> <laughs> i know that's <laughs> true for multiple reasons <laughs> oh man too soon? a little too soon i don't <laughs> too know. soon rip cats um <laughs> but no it's like um you know and i i am a, one of those single people who like occasionally likes to go to the movie theater i'm also immunocompromised so going to a theater for me not a good idea. Um, being on a plane, not great right now. Will I get the vaccine? Yes, but I can't, I as a person cannot trust everyone else to be in the same mindset as I am or that they're going to have the same, you know, you know uh, um, respect for the new rules, basically. Mm. You know, it's going to be a while, I think, especially because of how things have been handled here because I know we don't want to get too political, maybe, I don't know. But, Considering the way things have been handled thus far, I don't trust anybody. So right. <laughs> I would rather stay home and enjoy my Wonder Woman and avoid the experience of the theater that I could, uh, that is easily avoidable at this point. I think it's a great idea, though. I mean, think about theaters right now. They're limited in capacity in most cities and mm. areas anyway. So you've got like, you know, 50% capacity of the tickets they can already sell they're not making any money because those people, you know, even if all of them buy the largest amount of concessions, you know, it's not making up for the operating costs of those theaters. So even with that, if Regal were to reopen and do all of that, they're still not going to be making the money. I think this is a fantastic way of still encouraging people because you know me, I you've seen my photos. I love to go to opening nights. I love to do all of mm -hmm. that. And I'm sorry, I have a cat now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> 
This is Castiel, by the way. Nobody else can see him but you guys. But I go to movie theaters. I love opening nights. I go in costume. I buy group tickets. I'm going to do that again when it's safe Mm -hmm. in a few years or something. But I'm very worried about safety because I... I'm not immunocompromised and I am, I I don't have a, you know, kids or anything, but I'm the safety officer at my job and it would look really bad if I just decided to go willy nilly out there and be crazy. Uh, Not to mention, I just feel as a human being, I ought to be safe. That's okay. My mom's a nurse and she mentioned that like one of the nurses was sick because she had gone to a club. She was sick with COVID. Oh my God. At a hospital. And on that note, yeah. Uh, but I do want to say I love this idea because it's going to wet people's appetites. As you've all, as I've also talked about in previous podcasts, I collect, I, I buy the DVDs and Blu-rays immediately for special features and such. Being able to watch it for a month before, you know, immediately when it's released, is only going to wet my appetite, and then I'm just going to be raring to go. I'll be pre-ordering that thing. I will be purchasing it because I am really looking forward to Dune and In the Heights and The Matrix Four. Yeah, I'm getting those steel books. Yeah. Juliet, do you have another cat named Dean? I don't. Um, Cass is my newest addition. My other cat okay. is named Ender. Okay. I just wanted to know if it was going to go through with the bit. <laughs> but but I, I did want to tee up on something you said earlier, Nathan, which is you mentioned Christopher Nolan. Can, can we just ignore him? Like, he hasn't really done anything too relevant in, like, the last, like, I would say six years, seven years. Mm-hmm. Like, 1918 was pretty good. <sighs> look. I, I don't, okay, we'll put 1918 into like the asterisk category because 1918 is wonderful cinematography. But in general though, like I'm kind of like Christopher Nolan, can you just kind of like sit down and shut up? Cause he kind of, for me is kind of like the ultimate movie snob. And I, again, I agree with that. Cause I love being a movie snob. I love going and seeing things in theaters, but that's not the venue that we have right now. It's just not the smart venue. So we mm. have to adjust. If, so for Christopher Nolan to be like, I don't like that they're going to do this. And I think it's stupid. I'm like, well, you're stupid. Stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, <laughs> just like, like Scorsese, like saying that the, like the superhero movies aren't, aren't like real movies. Or right. Not or, high art. Right. Or Scorsese saying you can't watch his movie on a cell phone. It's like, Bitch, that's all I'm going to watch it on now. I want to watch every Scorsese movie on my cell phone. I'm going to be sitting here watching it on an eight-inch screen and be like, mm, that's so good. Mm. Yeah. You know, like, just screw you. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry, Martin Scorsese, star of Shark Tale. <laughs> like, what are you? <laughs> so we can't all have multi-million dollar films that we, can, that we made in a theater in our home, probably. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, again, I just, I, I find it, I find that when, when people are not embracing the times and they're trying to hold on to these things, sometimes I think it's really an indication of how tone deaf they are because, you know, people like Sam, you know, they're immunocompromised. They can't risk going to the theater right. because if they do, God forbid, something happens. They have to stay at home. They want to watch something cool and new. So this is a really good compromise. If you can and you feel safe, go to the theater, rock your popcorn, have fun. But if you're feeling a little skittish this year, stay at home, enjoy the movie by HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, certainly, I mean, for the for the near term, this is a really good thing. I mean, but my, my fear is that it's going to end the movie theater experience as we know it, you know, and that's kind of the thing that I'm kind of curious that, that you know, if anybody was, was worried about that aspect of it moving forward because, you know, uh, and I'm not even sure even blockbuster movies can be sustained by streaming service costs. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, they're releasing the movies now, you know, probably at a loss through their streaming service as a way of, you know, undercutting Disney and Netflix and everything else. But both how long can Warner sustain that and, 
what is that going to do to the industry at large? That would be the thing that would concern me about it. Because definitely in the near term, yeah, we're all excited. I can watch Wonder Woman. Yeah, you know, I'm definitely going to do that. Like I said with Marvel, they should have done, or Disney, they should have done Black Widow instead of Mulan because that would have actually been a real pull. I think they'll do it long term, though. Like, I once everything calms down and it is a little bit safer and it may not be until 2022 or later, because they're not saying we're not going to release it in theaters. They are still releasing it in theaters at the same time that they're doing this. So, you know, there's still going to be plenty of people going to the theaters and watching it. Probably the full amount of people that are currently allowed in those theaters anyway. So this isn't going to be, I'm not going to say this is going to be Warner Brothers like putting movie theaters out of business. If anything, it's just the general pandemic that's shutting down a whole bunch of businesses. Yeah. But I don't think that they're, I don't think it's going to be long-term. Um, maybe on sm- may- it might work out for- better for them for smaller releases that aren't major blockbuster films and they might decide to partner up to do it. But I like to think that the movie theaters are not going to go out. Of- if they can handle it, if the major chains or even some smaller theaters are able to hang on to it through this, I think that it'll still come back to ha- having movie going as an experience, like the way I like to do it with a big group of costume people. Mm. And you also have like the smaller indie market too that, you know, we you know, my college town of Bellingham, Washington had several like smaller, like little independent theaters that, I mean, were largely based on donations, but they also showed, you know, recent enough movies that they could make, you know, like a night out of it. You know, there's, I don't think that the movie, the like the movie going venues are going to go away. I think they might have to really look at scaling down a lot, you know, looking more at, you know, and also I think movie studios should start looking at this from a different perspective of like, what are smaller things that we can produce quicker, you know, it, mm. it, hopefully safely, but it's Hollywood. So who the hell knows? But, you know, you start looking at like, well, instead of a $250 million budget, what if we just went with a lot of like small 40 to $60 million, you know, things that we can produce as quickly as possible and put them out. You know, I think that Hollywood itself needs to really rethink what it's prioritizing versus the, the 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 goer the viewer having to like make those compromises for them yeah i hesitate to bring this up again because i feel like we just talked about it with mike on a recent podcast that released but i'm still not convinced that they're even going after the same audience i'm not convinced that they're actually that that people are choosing to stay home versus just going to the theater to see the movie i think a lot of people are choosing not to see the movie or they're choosing to wait until it comes to a streaming service anyway. So I, what I'm actually really hoping out of, you know, the streaming services doing stuff like this is that because they have our data, they are looking at, okay, what movies are the ones where people are going to theaters to see them? What movies are the ones that people are staying home and watching them on the streaming service? What, like, mm-hmm. they can look at, you know, when we released this movie, we had this uptake in people sign up for the service and like they can measure all of that. And so, yeah, I think it will help people making movies prioritize where they are releasing them, not just what even they're creating. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it will be beneficial. And it, it's probably something where the blockbusters are not worth it. They're not going to keep releasing them, you know, at the same time on each. You know, people are going to go to the theaters to see the spectacles because you as, as cool as your home theater can be, and there are some very cool ones, and frankly, my husband's television is gargantuan, and I don't understand how it even fits in the room, it's still not a movie theater screen. You know, mm-hmm. there are some things I'm just going to want to go to the theater for no matter what. But, you know, it doesn't need to be the Art House movies. I think it'd be great 
because I live in Utah, which is a relative, and Salt Lake, which is a relatively big, big town, but like not cultured. So there's never any of the cool, like limited release stuff that comes here. I'd love it if I could get a streaming service and watch stuff that's only released in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I can't do that right now. Yeah. I want all of the foreign French films. <laughs> yeah, but you get the Sundance Film Festival, right? So I mean, yeah, you get... think I don't like we. Right. I, I'm being a big glib. We do have a really awesome like art house. But yeah, because I was about to say the what <laughs> I visited you and you guys took me to Sundance. So. I feel so bad about that. That was a terrible film. <laughs> <laughs> it was a terrible film that we saw, right. but I mean, you don't know. You know. Ironically, about stars. <laughs> but I, I think one of the things that we're dancing around here is we're all assuming that whatever happens in this next year, theaters are going to go the way of drive through uh, drive ins. That's the big looming thing. That's the that's the connective tissue that we're all looking at, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, whether or not we were realizing on a conscious level, we're all kind of going, well, you know, the drive-ins died once, you know, the 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 movie theaters became more and more kind of an immersive experience. So how are theaters going to be able to survive once home theater is going to take over? And I think we've all touched on the same point, which is that there are times that we're going to want to stay at home and watch something like, you know, a 20, 30, $40 million movie and go, wow, that was great. And then sometimes we want to watch a $250 million melt your face off movie with quadruple THX round sound and the butt wiggling seats and stuff. And, you know, <laughs> and, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and smell-o-vision and all yes. that jazz. Um, I don't and, want smell-o-vision. Right, we really don't want smell-o-vision though. Don't do that Hollywood. Uh, but no. I, but I think one thing that we're all also missing is the fact that one thing that, that I am seeing more of is, is really curated uh, experiences for the, the moviegoer. Um, you know, now we all have those lounge seatings, right? We're basically we're in a bed when we go and watch theaters, right? I mean, how many times have we seen cinema grills pop up all over the country? You know, I mean, more people are offering beer in their theaters. They're offering, you know, a wide variety of foods. If you make it something that becomes more than just I'm here for popcorn, you make it into a full blown experience that is far more immersive and pampering than you staying at your house, people will come to your theater. And I think that's the future of movies is continuing to find a way to bring people in and then making sure that that immersive experience is that much more fulfilling. Um, they, they talk about in LA, they've had for a few years now, something called 4D movies, mm-hmm. which apparently like you're in a pod and like it reclines back, but like the pod has like tinglers or something in it. So like when like uh, an earthquake happens in the movie, like the whole thing shakes, you know? And I'm like, what? Yeah, it That's- shakes. They can blow air in your face. Water can yeah. fall from the ceiling on you. It's, yeah, I mean, right. It's you all know, when the, the face hugger jumps on the person, right. it's actually supposed jumps to give you like face. a sense oh, of being there. Did, did James Cameron commission this so that when the Avatar movies eventually come out, <laughs> <laughs> no, this is completely independent of, of James Cameron, though I wouldn't be surprised if he's got something up his sleeve with that. But I mean, that's like what I, I think. Really thinks we want Avatar. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think that's where we're going as far as that's, I think, how theaters are going to come in. And I think Angie had a really good point with the idea of, you know, why do we have to have $300 million blockbuster movies all the time? You know, the, the model is let's put in a ton of money. Let's make a ton of money right off the bat. And, and frankly, the success stories that we've seen in the last two years have been modest movies that have been really good storytelling i mean hell look at deadpool just five six years ago deadpool was only what 30 40 million dollars it was not a very expensive movie in the scale of blockbusters yeah infinity war was a little niche film 
Yeah, well, no, but I'm saying Deadpool made a buttload of money for a I know, but you were just saying the trend has been for little films. No, but I'm I'm saying the trend has been for a long time to make, you know, a huge budget and then try to make $1.5 billion in 10 days. That doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Movies like Deadpool, I mean, hell, if you really want to look at where people can go with cinema, look at horror movies. Mm. That is the best way. If you want to know what they can do and make something look top-notch, awesome, excellent cinematography special effects are still good you know and they could still make a bank on it these people literally will make a movie for like 45 dollars and some toothpicks and like one (laughs) roll of duct tape and it will make bank you know there is good quality filmmaking out there at a much lower price point that could still bring people into streaming services into theaters and and i think hollywood has gotten away from that i think they've just gotten into this big balloon budget And, and honestly i the only downside i see out of all of this is the local movie worker the people who rely on this for their jobs you know they mm-hmm. they, they want to work in cinema they love being you know uh people who kind of like you know keep their theaters running maybe they own a, a chain or something like that it, it's going to be hard for them it's not going to be hard for hollywood hollywood's going to pivot and figure it out the, the the people who own those theaters those are the folks i'm concerned about mm-hmm. yeah which is why i hope that these more immersive experiences keep going which is why as soon as i feel safe the theater right down the street from me that i go to all the time i'm totally right back there i'm like reclining back watching movies I, i'm i'm ready uh but i just have to you know we, i have to wait for covid to kind of become a much more you know a, a, a manageable experience right now which mm-hmm. is not not going to happen for at least a few more months Right. You need more like movie nights, like a like a Rocky Horror Night. Oh like, yeah, where, totally. Uh, I mean, you, you can't just like uh, obviously reduce it to that, but you but you have to have like movies that where the experience of watching the movie is as as visceral, you know, mm-hmm. as anything else. Where it's like because the Rocky Horror is a fine movie, but it's much better when you watch it with a bunch of people who are throwing the lines at it and everything. And they've been doing that. I guess that I, I I hesitate to bring up Cats again, but apparently there have been theaters prior to COVID that were doing screenings where people were just there gathering to make fun of the movie. <laughs> I mean, if you can make nights like that, like out of, you know, small releases or, um, or cult movies. I mean, again, from my college town experience, that's what a lot of those smaller theaters made bank on was, you know, you've got a bunch of young 18 to 20 somethings who, you know, want to have a, a fun experience at the movies. They maybe can't afford like the, the whole thing of going to like the, the latest release at the, the bigger chain, but you can find a cult classic and be like, oh, hey, here's the anniversary of Zardoz. Let's like have, <laughs> you know, if, We've if got somebody- some theaters that do that around here. Yeah. The, I mean, the Belcourt Theater here in Nashville is well known for like small indie releases, regular showings of the room which by the way should never be experienced on its own should only be experienced with other people because otherwise you're gonna need brain bleach wait wait, which room are we talking about the one with captain marvel are we talking about why so why so oh god yeah no we watch it at midnight with a bunch of people throwing spoons all over the place and footballs Uh but i mean that's what they do and i know that a a couple of locally owned theaters right now are still throughout the pandemic, they're allowing themselves to be rented out by very small groups uh, Mm -hmm. for a certain amount of money. And they're showing older movies. Like they're showing gremlins coming up here in a little bit. Yeah. The thing that Mark mentioned to me that I like had no concept of, or even thought of was they'll hook up like a PlayStation to the theater and let people rent and like play like their PlayStation or Xbox or whatever on the huge theater screen. And I was like, oh my God, I never even thought about that as a possibility, but that must be amazing. 
It hurts the neck as someone who has definitely done that multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you right now, you don't feel as powerful as you do until you play World of Warcraft on a giant ass IMAX screen. <laughs> man, I went the other way. I was thinking like Donkey Kong Country, man. I was like, yeah. Get the old SNES up. Right? Like, I was like, let's do some Donkey Kong Country. Let's get some Final Fantasy VI. Each or- pixel is like a foot by a foot on the screen. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Games, man. You know, I'm going to play GoldenEye on the 64. Oh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be so much. Ooh, ooh, Duck Hunt. You would need an oversized zapper. <laughs> no, you just get that. Uh, you get the light gun bazooka from the SNES, right? The laser cannon. I'm imagining like three people with like an oversized zapper trying to like position it in place. Oh pull the a trigger, pull the trigger. To, like, pull the trigger. It's 45 pounds. <laughs> Are we talking Oregon Trail? (laughs) (laughs) The entire theater has died of dysentery. And that's when you use smell-o-vision right there. (laughs) That's when you use... Everybody died of dysentery. (laughs) I always played a doctor in that one because I knew that that was like... But you still shout out to your friends. You're like, ah, you died of a snake bite. I, a doctor, could not heal you. (laughs) (laughs) Why did we shoot this whole buffalo? (laughs) When a big anticipated blockbuster comes out, you at least the megaplexes around here, the large ones, you can't, you have to order your tickets so far in advance to be mm-hmm. able to get in because all of the all of the screens are showing the blockbuster and they're full. Mm-hmm. But when it's not opening weekend for a gigantic blockbuster, these theaters are often empty. I mean, I have mm-hmm. between you know having press friends and a small child, I have gone to the movie theater at basically every possible conceivable time of day, every day of the week. And most of the time, they're kind of ghost towns. You know, you've got the press people who are in there in the morning for a screening of something. Like, it, it seems like the Megaplex model was kind of unsustainable already. And the, the pandemic has just kind of exposed it for what it is, which is you have a lot of space all the time for those you know, short spurts when a when a blockbuster comes out, and then the rest of the time it's just space, and it's they have to keep up with it and try to fill it, but that's not necessarily always consistent. Well, that's why like the summer blockbuster season starts in March, generally. Yeah. You know, it's great, and, and all the studios are timing their their blockbuster releases. You know, it just. It, it seems like a model that maybe needed to be reevaluated anyway. And I am, I, I'm actually with Mark. I'm less concerned for the small theaters because if you have six screens, you're not, as, you're not going to be struggling as hard to find something to put on them versus when you have 50 that you're trying to find something to get people to come to see. Come watch Citizen Kane. It's an old movie and therefore good. We don't know. <laughs> I watched it one time. I don't care. Well, I mean, not 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 to get too much onto that, though. I mean, you, you do have to remember one thing. I think is interesting when you bring up stuff like Citizen Kane is that people kind of forget. You know, these were the first folks who did that kind of stuff. So now that we've seen what everybody's built off of that, you go back to the originator, the people who thought of you know certain tropes, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, I kind of saw it coming, I guess. But all right, <laughs> yeah. that was a movie. You know, like uh, I think the best example was, and I remember this. This is when I was in uh, art school. I was at a film class and they showed me this, this scene. It was only about two minutes long. These people who were waiting for a train, they would cut to the train. They cut back to the people waiting. And eventually the train got there. People got on the train and they left. 
And uh, I remember the, 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 the teacher saying that was the first time somebody had ever cut to another scene that was happening at the same time. And mm -hmm. it built up tension and people were freaked out because <laughs> they're like, are the people going to miss the train? Has the train <laughs> left? I don't understand what's happening. You know, and again, this is like 19, like, you know, 08. You know, this is like super early on in the, in the times of cinema and people were freaking out. In fact, the, the best example I can tell you is the first time somebody actually laid a camera in front of a train and let the train run over the top of the camera and they were able mm -hmm. to preserve the reels. People freaked out because they thought the train was going to come through the screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, we, we look at stuff with a modern eye, we go, like, oh, that's quaint. But, like, it really was revolutionary back then. That, that look kind at of Orson stuff. Welles using shadow. <laughs> right? Look at Orson Welles, like, <laughs> using palettes and stuff of, you know, tones. Oh my God. He used makeup in that. Look at him. He thinks he's an old man now. That son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. That genius. Ugh. Well, I mean, seriously, like that's like, uh, but then there are things like the Twilight Zone where you go back and you watch that. The Twilight Zone still holds up like mm -hmm. 150%. You know, you, in fact, I look at that and then I watch movies like made like in the, the, the 90s that tried to emulate black and white film. And there's an entire lost art form of people who knew how to make crisp, perfect black and white images from, you know, the 50s and the 60s and even the 40s, like just beautiful cinematography that's all black and white that we'll never have again. You know, yeah. and I'm like that. It's a lost art form, and I'm like that sucks. That's the thing that theater should maybe look into as well, like movie, like courses on film history. Mm. I mean, you can, like, you can do your like your interactive stuff, but then you could also be like, hey, is there a university nearby? Do they have a film studies course? Perhaps we look into that. Mm -hmm. You know what? I, I I I get what you're laying down there, but immediately my brain went, oh god, homework. <laughs> um, let me tell you right now sean like a movie a, a, a class where it's watching movies it is does not feel like homework it does no I, I mean i did a minor in this i i had eight classes that were all watching movies and writing no it feel yeah, like homework i took one yeah, it, it was great <laughs> you know like well maybe you got a good one it was because, the history like, of the ancient world through film i loved it oh my god no i did one I swear to god I did one that was all German expressionistic uh, uh, film art. So well, I yeah, don't take ones like that. <laughs> no, no, but like, no, you had to. It was, it was the one you had to take. So you start with the, the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is amazing. Uh, you go through Hitler propaganda movies, and then you go through Reconstruction <laughs> Germany. Oh, my God. Well, your first it, mistake like, was German. <laughs> again, it was what was offered. Okay. Can someone hug I Sean? Did, I did gender in early modern Europe, which made me, which meant I had to watch The Devil. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know that one. Which is a ridiculously weird and funny, but also like really disturbing movie, especially when yeah. you have to watch it in a university library mm. in, in, where students are walking past and it's like naked nuns. <laughs> <laughs> and some dude who looks like Mickey Dolan's from the monkeys kind of like talking about church dogma. <laughs> and then I took a course on uh, Latin American history and film and watched Aguirre, The Wrath of God. Oh, God. Uh, which yeah, I had to write movies. I had to write uh, papers about a lot of a lot of movies I never would have watched if I hadn't gone to university. <laughs> so Sam and I are having flashbacks now. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. I'm there with you. Like I took a screenplay writing course, and I I love the movie Casablanca. Don't get me wrong, but that's mm. the movie that they broke it down with, and we watched every scene. Like each scene was watched like 25 times in a row. Like repeat, repeat. I grew to hate that movie so much by the end of that course. I can yes. write a screenplay by hand without any extra software, though, in proper format. Mm -hmm. But I haven't been able to watch Casablanca since. 
but you have recurring dreams of Humphrey Bogart, <laughs> and you're just like, no, Humphrey. <laughs> you know, Juliet, the movie that is for me actually is Lost Highway. I, I, they, we, it was a cinematography class. So we were basically, I mean, if you're going to do a, a movie, if you've never seen Lost Highway, David Lynch's Lost Highway is amazing. But once you've watched it like 50 times in like, I think it was like 10 weeks, no, you're done. You're like, no, like I, I can never watch Lost Highway again. And I still love David Lynch, but that's what I'm just like, <laughs> that, that, that goes into the, like, that, that goes into the, 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 you don't get to use, what, what's an archive that people don't get to use? What would we call that? What? Like, well, like uh, you said what, the A word. I did. I was, I was like, What's I was going to say, I'm out now. now. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do we, what do we call that, Sam? What do we call, like, like we the, call that an archives, apparently. Well, no, I'm saying, I'm asking, like, what would you call it? Like, what would you, what, what private you, collection? No, that means I'd have to claim it. I, I want to put it somewhere where nobody ever has to see it again. We have a thing called the dark archives, which is basically a place where you put stuff without the intention of letting people look at it. So that's where it goes. Okay. <laughs> That's where it goes. I love that. <laughs> so now we have dark archives. So no, oh archives gosh. can't be sinister at all. That I'm denigrating the entire profession. I never said that. I never said that they couldn't be sinister. <laughs> Nathan, your your death is just getting more and more complex now in the movie. She's like, oh, this one. <laughs> oh, this one character, Bathan Moss. I don't know. <laughs> oh man, that poor bastard. That was a thirty minute scene. I didn't think it was ever going to stop. I no, it was bad. It was needless, like his death was needlessly complicated and grotesque <laughs> by all standards of filmmaking. Just, oh, it was terrible. Oh. Like, Have you seen the thing? The yeah, way worse. <laughs> at least, at least I inspired a reaction. I'm nothing but reactions. I'm just reactions in a meat suit. So wait, we were talking about HBO Max, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's fine. Yeah, no, like, uh, like, yeah, see, you need a class where you analyze something like Star Wars like that, so you can go scene by scene or something like that. What, because... So I can hate Star Wars? No, no, because no, Star Wars is a movie you can do that and still enjoy it is what I'm saying. Are you sure, though? <laughs> Any movie that you have to watch that many times, you will learn to hate. Yeah, I, I think I have watched Star Wars that many times. Like, like each scene on repeat as a whole. No, I can watch it over and over as long as it's from start to finish or pausing right. at some point. But when I'm watching the first five minutes of a movie over and over and over for an entire class period, mm. no. The droids just keep getting dropped from the freaking blockade runner over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> there's a difference between knowingly and willingly wanting to watch a movie versus I have to write a paper on this so I have to watch this movie. Mm. And you have to explain why they were moving counterclockwise versus clockwise. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it symbolizes the... the, of, of the scene. <laughs> like, sometimes a duck is just a duck, homie. Right. <laughs> Twenty-five bucks and a sandwich, so that's why they all look this way. There you go. <laughs> and what's the represent? Why is the crate dragon in the background? Why is there a skeleton in the background? Because they wanted to give the freaking background some freaking depth of character. You son of a bug! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can always mean something. Shut up. Go away. Why did uh, the back so still? Because it was a big piece of plastic. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had a discussion with a literary major once about that. That not everything in a book needs to be symbolic, and and yeah, it's. That was not my entire well. experience. <laughs> <laughs> it's like honors English, symbolism all the way down, man. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody tell that to uh, Joseph Campbell. Whew. There we go. <laughs> I'm going to resurrect Joseph Campbell and punch him in his face. <laughs> he doesn't have a thousand faces. He's got like seven. <laughs> Maybe eight. 
his hero's journey ends now. I can't believe I got to get angry about this crap. <laughs> you and your stupid monomyth ruined my life, Joseph Campbell. <laughs> what about the heroine's journey, huh? Huh? There are other flavors of vanilla, you bastard. Okay. Here's crossing the threshold. How do you feel about that? Well, I, I think I think we kind of come to the end, though, because uh, I know that Sean's got a hard stop here. And I had other things for us to talk about, but we spent our time talking about archives and film <laughs> studies classes. <laughs> I mean, I have no regrets. I got to be honest. I mean, you know, but no, 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 it's fine. I, I, I didn't, want, didn't want this one to be heavily structured or anything. So, I mean, you know, it's... <laughs> it's fine. Like, how the hell are you going to even title this other than 100th episode? You have no idea. Like, yeah, it's yeah. I I was like, because I, I was going to call it the 100, but I'm like, people will get the wrong idea. So that means then that the gay love interest has to die unexpectedly after they have sex. Um, <laughs> that's all I know about the hundred. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know more than I've seen. Like I've seen like bits of the first season, and that's right. All but I've like seen. they're they're in space, right? And only a hundred people can go down to. Like, well, no, they there's... dropped the kids down to Earth to see if it's safe, and and there were a hundred kids that were dropped down to Earth. But I kept saying they need so to revise the, the title every episode because a kid dies every episode, at least one. So it should be like the ninety nine, the ninety eight, the ninety seven. They didn't do that. I would so. love that if they could do. <laughs> 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 like I'm like like maybe they should start with the one hundred and then like a ticker goes down like and then it goes down to what the current number is 199 you know what actually nathan that reminds me of a movie we were talking about movies that were made for like no money and it actually ties into the giles thing from the archivist earlier it has allison hannigan in it it is called you might be the killer and if you've not seen you might be the killer you've got to see this movie this movie is amazing it's got um uh what's his name stan france uh he was the, oh yeah, I I remember hearing about this. Yeah, he was the stoner guy in Cabin in the Woods. He was also in Dollhouse. Yeah, uh, yeah but so he was the, the was it? Oh, James Fran. James France, is that it? Okay, I know who that is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. So the, the idea is that basically he calls Allison Hannigan, he's covered in blood, and he's like, oh my god, everybody at the camp has been murdered by this guy, and he starts to tell this story, and the way they keep count of where you are in the timeline is how many dead bodies there are. <laughs> So it starts the movie and the tie and the ticker goes all the way up to a lot of people are dead. And then it rewinds all the way back down to zero and then it'll jump to like nine and then it'll jump over to three. And it tells the story completely out of sequence. But the way you know where you are in the timeline is how many dead bodies have accumulated. Um, and of course, over the, the course of him telling her this story, uh, she basically is like, I, I think you might actually be the killer. And he's like, what? And, and so they're trying to figure out why he's gone psychotic, if he's gone psychotic, and, and there's like this magical voodoo mask. And, uh, if you've not seen this movie, it is amazing. Um, and it is it is begging for a sequel. It came out a couple of years ago. Uh, it even it's has its own. Tweets. I'm sorry? It's based on a series of tweets. It's based on a series of tweets? <laughs> yeah. So this was, this was based on a series of tweets, I believe, between... Chuck Wendig and um, oh, what's his name? Oh, yeah, because I know Chuck Wendig wrote it. Yeah, I remember Chuck yeah, Wendig was one. But of it's the based on tweets between him and uh, oh god, it's the the woman who wrote the Outlander books. Her son Sam Sykes. Okay. I believe. Hmm. So I think it was between the two of them, and it was just them going back and forth, like you might be the killer if or something like that, like. <laughs> And that, and it got turned into a movie. Oh, it's so good! If you've wow. not seen it, folks, find it, buy it. Uh, uh, I think it's on the Sci-Fi Channel right now because right now they have the exclusive rights for it on streaming. So if you want to watch, you got to watch with a bunch of commercials, which is garbage. Mm. Um, mm. But if you can get a hold of a copy, get it. 
pardon me. It is so much fun. But that's how they should do the 100, Nathan, is they should just rewind in time and just have a little body count. And then yeah, that's how you know where you are in the timeline. So <laughs> okay. but that really sounds like the Hunger Games, the long version to me, though, right? Like, I mean, it's full of young 20-somethings who, you know, are sexy and on the CW, so... And keep dying off one episode after another, so... <laughs> it's the most beautiful... Well, well yeah, okay, so here's the thing about the 100. So the idea is they've been in space for, like, several generations, right? Like, three or four generations, and so they haven't been able to make their own stuff. Everything's recycled. Everything's been used. But these kids that have been sent down to the planet, yeah, some of their clothes, they look kind of ratty or whatever, but when the girl strips down to, like, go take, uh, like, uh, like, to jump in the water, and she's wearing underwear, it's like designer underwear like that looks pristine and i'm like hey, how hey, hey. how is the underwear pristine when nothing else is look you, nathan you can hand down a lot of stuff you don't hand me down underwear <laughs> they, they pack for generations of underwear sir okay <laughs> looks like store-bought like right off the shelf <laughs> there's a jc penny catalog on standby at all times <laughs> you can't stop that all right that's <laughs> So all right, but all right, all right. Before we go, really quick, right? try to bring this back into like kind of, sort of like this is an anniversary episode. Yeah, everybody name their favorite thing that's happened in pop culture in the last four years. You can have a few, you know, have a have a few seconds to think about that. <laughs> what happened three weeks ago? <laughs> oh, right? Yeah, yeah, we all have COVID. Well, right wait, now. you have like the pre-COVID memories. <laughs> Go in January. That's <laughs> really? Like time is a flat circle. <laughs> yeah, like, what even is pop culture? What? Right, like, we don't understand. Are we being written by Grant Morrison? What's going on? Maybe. I don't know where you've been for the last year, but we're all on Groundhog Day. Okay. <laughs> so, like, no, I'm thinking it's talking about pre-Groundhog Day. There is nothing before Groundhog Day, all right? Like, it's always been Groundhog Day. He died, like, five million times before he figured it out. What the hell? What, okay, what, Andy what? McDowell suffered so much because of this. Andy McDowell can't suffer. She's made of stone. That's true. In a good way or a bad way? In a good way. She's a strong, independent woman. Yeah. I, I don't know. Made of stone could be a negative. Yeah. I don't know. That's why I asked. I, I, that's why I need a, like, clarification. I wasn't sure if that was shade either, Sean. Right, I was right. trying to <laughs> figure that out. Then I, but my next follow-up was, what the hell did Andy McDowell do to anybody? I don't know. Apparently talking about Indiana Jones gets me death threats, so I don't know anything anymore. I don't you know, know what's what going did. on. Nathan Moss? Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, seriously, though. No, Nathan. Like, seriously. Like, you know, Indiana Jones. I mean, they're like, you... you mm, yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay, yeah, like, there, to there's a line, sir. Okay. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Sean. At least you get it. Remember, I've already gotten in the hole of Sam, so I'm digging myself out by throwing you down it. Okay? Oh, so. nice. John <laughs> Rose suddenly gets better. It's right. so weird. <laughs> and then it turns out I'm the killer of the movie. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he got okay. better, and then he killed everybody. So okay. I, I actually have my, my favorite pop culture thing, if everybody okay. if you want me to start. Okay. So the thing that I'm actually not going to specifically, uh, specifically cite a specific uh, uh, event, I'm going to cite a person, which is I have loved over the last four years the, the kind of awesome underground rise of Samara Weaving becoming an awesome genre actress. 
Hmm. Um, and if you guys have not been catching her stuff, she has been absolutely killing it for quite a while now. Um, basically, uh, the first movie that I saw her in was The Babysitter on Netflix, which was about four years ago. Um, and then she has just gone off and done a ton of awesome movies since then. Uh, she is the niece of Hugo Weaving. And I mean, talk about just like an awesome freaking just family of actors right there. Um, but if you've not seen some of the stuff th this year, she's been in stuff like Ready or Not. She did The Babysitter uh, Part Two, Killer Queen. Uh, she was in one of my favorite uh, indie uh, uh, action slash horror movies, Mayhem. Uh, uh, she keeps crushing it. And of course, she is one of the daughters in Bill and Ted 3. So right. if you have not caught her in the last few years, you are missing out on a treasure trove of just awesome movies. People say she looks a lot like Margot Robbie, and I guess that's kind of true. She does have yeah, that, that kind of Margot Robbie-ish vibe, but she is just absolutely a hoot to follow. Um, and she loves doing these genre movies. So if you've not caught her yet, go find some of these movies and, and check her out. That would be my big thing from like the last four years. The, the introduction of Samara Weaving as just a, a genre actor that's just been kicking butt. Dude, Guns Akimbo. Whew. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Very cool. All right. Juliet, what about you? Oh, crap. Why is it me? <laughs> okay, we'll skip you then. You keep thinking. Oh, Angie, no. do you have something? It's good. I've got it. I've got oh. one. Matt, like, the, yeah. The, was, when did Winter Soldier come out? That was back. Oh, my God. That was that was like six yeah, years Yeah, that's like six years. Yeah, the MCU is, is over 10 years old now, people. It's 12 years old. <laughs> I just yeah, hold on. Let, let's yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing that brought me the most joy, I guess I'm stuck on Marvel because I'm having, I'm drawing. I can't think of when anything happened. <laughs> but I Black Panther was like a genuine joy. I, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Black I, Panther was within four years. <laughs> there you go all right black panther and yeah i mean we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet because i wanted to specifically talk about it on a marvel podcast but chadwick yeah. boseman of course passed uh and that's a huge loss for the yeah. for for hollywood in general and and for marvel specifically well i thought we were going for happy thoughts well no i know i'm just I'm just saying, she brought up Black Panther. I felt like we should at least say something about Chadwick Boseman, who I mean, we was We can talk amazing. about Carrie Fisher if we're going to go for downers here. You know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Lord, man. All right, I'm hell? sorry. Five in the last four years. <laughs> this is the memorial episode. We're going to name off 100 awesome people who have died. Okay. <laughs> Let's not start that one. All right, so Julie, I'm sorry, Julie. I thought you were when you were like, oh, no, I thought that you, you didn't have one yet. I, the problem is I have too many. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Always too many choices. Mm -hmm. uh, but for me, I think the one of the coolest things that I have seen in the last four years has been, and I'm going to probably catch hate for it, but the, the most recent of the Star Wars universe, both in animated series and television series, between the latest season of the Clone Wars, which, by the way, I just watched the full Clone Wars for the first time in, like, the last two months. So wow. it was brilliant and fantastic. And as somebody who so hates the prequels, this was a big step for me. Um, <laughs> but it, I thought that that last season was brilliant and then you know i watched it just in time for the mandalorian and wow and i don't care if people hate me i still love the sequels i enjoyed every moment of them people can hate on me for it mm -hmm. but i love the fact that you know it brought new people into the star wars universe through the clone wars or through the man or that's bringing them in through the mandalorian it's getting them reinvigorated into the star wars universe 
mostly in a positive way, not counting the people's reactions to the sequels. Hmm. But The Mandalorian has been, I think, really good for for everything. Mm -hmm. So it, it makes me happy to see that, that Star Wars properties are coming back in a good way. Very cool. All right. And Sam, what about you? I have two. Okay. Um, because I can't just reduce it to one. Uh, so the first one, I would say the Rise in Audio Fiction podcast, mm. um, I think is a market that people weren't weren't aware they could they could do something with until the last few years. Um, again, like I said, I, I don't know if this is even going to make it into the show uh, when I talk about Magnus Archives. I think it's like, a re- I'm not even a horror person, mm-hmm. but I listen to this podcast and it's straight up horror. Um, so I, if like just the rise in those types of narrative fiction podcasts, which are great. Um, and then also the rise of D and D actual plays. Mm. Uh, I mean, we've, I think especially over the last four years, we've seen like things like critical role, um, dimension 20, uh, was it the adventure zone, you know, these, um, these like kind of amazing podcasts that have podcasts and shows and like actual plays that have embraced technology and have gotten more people involved in Dungeons and Dragons. Like I actually ran a game of Honey Heist for my friends right before COVID hit. So (laughs) a shout out to Grant Hewitt, who, how it, who, um, who did Honey Heist. But I think that those things are great because they're getting more people involved in these types of hobbies where they can express themselves and, the, you know, things like Dungeons and Dragons are now like revamping how they look at race and uh, how they depict culture and also trying to get more people of color and women and women of color and like LGBTQ, everybody like trying to find more inclusive ways of getting people involved, I think has been absolutely amazing. There's still a lot of work to do, but it's been great. Like the, the trajectory of it right now. Mm-hmm. And, and things like the tools for online tabletop gaming like world one i mean i remember going to gen con six thousand years ago now and you know they they were talking about these tools that you know my husband being a dm and being a player for so long were exciting but they just weren't really there you know it wasn't going to replace our regular game and maybe it's because of covid but i feel like the trajectory was there already things like world 20 have just taken off and they are so much better now than Mm -hmm. they were even last year yeah, yeah, but definitely more than they were 10 years ago. It's it's just kind of amazing how fast this this kind of online community has, has risen up too and all these peripherals and um, really talented people that are just putting their work out there for people to use for their games. It's really, really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Also 3D printed minis, but that's a whole other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> dice culture. You have dice culture now. People being like, I bought these dice and I've got this and this is my lucky set. And this is a <laughs> It's real. The struggle is real. Yeah, but one thing I did want to mention just really quick is that, you know, I... Oh, very nice. Sean showing us one of his dies. This is called America's Ass. (laughs) (laughs) The dice series is called America's Ass. Laura got these for me. They're metal, and they're they're like Captain America's shield. They're amazing. Listen, hold on. Let me see if I can get the thumbs. Hold on. I know. Hold on. I just bought a set of Indian agate dice that are the most amazing thing. They're a gift, unfortunately. So. I just saw an advertisement on Facebook for a die they called the Pounder. It's a D100 that's a pound <laughs> of metal. Ooh, it's gold. Yeah, and I th- yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's like a rose gold, almost like a brass. Nice. Is this the cool. one that has a, a certain word replacing the number one on that one? No, I wish, but I also bought these dice because they're Oogie Boogie's dice from... Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> I bet dice on Kickstarter. I admit this. Okay. By the way, yeah. Nathan, 
I, I want an honorable mention here real quick, which is the best thing that's happened in COVID is Mario Lopez being Colonel Sanders in the oh, KFC no. <laughs> special oh. that is coming out this <laughs> Yes, anyone who sees yes, that that ad has been everywhere. And yes, no, this is real movie. people. There is a, a fifteen-minute long movie, a lifetime movie where Mario Lopez is playing Colonel Sanders, and it's a love story. So this is this is going to be must see TV. So yeah, set your DVRs. Well, actually, this will this will be watch, out in a couple I would weeks. I'd rather watch the the Match dot com Devil in the Year Twenty Twenty than Colonel Sanders. Well, both. Why not? Yeah. I'm okay with both. <laughs> but uh yeah the only thing i wanted to mention off of what sam was saying the other other thing is uh is yeah the whole like i mean i mean she's talking about audio podcasts but you know like audio fiction in general and that there is still a market for those things like in america like we pretty much abandoned like the whole idea of like audio drama but it's still yeah. alive and well in england and it's coming back now because of audio fiction podcasts and things like that where people are saying like, hey, this would be fun to do and, and you know, getting people together, you know, to do it. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to say that like, yeah, I've been enamored of Big Finish who, who's been doing Doctor Who audio dramas for over 20 years, Ever. but, you know, and now does all kinds of things, you know, the, from everything from like, you know, classic plays to, you know, and insert science fiction, you know, franchise here. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I love audio fiction and I think people should give it a try if it's something that you have not tried before. I recommend, other than Magnus, I recommend We Fix Space Junk, Wooden Overcoats, Victoriosity, Within the Wires, which are the Night Vale people uh, that produce that, and Lore. I like Lore. Lore's oh, also Noble Blood. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was a big fan of uh, the Black Tapes and uh, Tannis. Those are two that I liked a lot. Screw Tannis! Why don't they finish the Black Tapes? I know, right? Like, well, Okay, but let's be fair. Tannis is cool, though. But yeah, the Black Tapes needs to get finished. I know, I know, I know. This has already been the angriest episode of the 42 cast (laughs) two days. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, the the Black Tapes is basically about this woman who goes and talks to this guy. He's like a parapsychologist who uh, has these tapes of unexplained phenomenon that he cannot quite, like, buckle down. And it basically unloads into this entire conspiracy cult thing. And one of her producers on the show then gets drawn into this thing called Tannis. So Tannis is a part of the Black Tapes, but it's not. Um, It's a whole thing, but uh, it's pretty damn crazy if you've not checked that out. But I was going to say, Nathan, it makes me lament that, you know, what was it, like eight years ago when I had uh, gotten Valiant Comics to let me start to do the audio adaptations of some of their stuff and we just could never get it together because I was so busy all the time. I was like, man, I I was I was ahead of the but like the freaking game on that one. Mm -hmm. I should have kept that thing going. I was like, missed it. So, oh well. Yeah, no, yeah, I think about that from time to time too because that was a lot of fun recording that first episode. Yeah, I was way ahead of the game on that. I mean, that was like, yeah, that was like eight years ago. I was, I yeah. was way ahead of the curve on that one. I was like, a real trailblazer you were, John. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I make it through the movie, you can call me whatever the hell you want. Okay? So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Mike, what is your favorite thing in pop culture from the last four years? Oh, I don't even know what pop culture is. <laughs> Just, this is the you are price. pop culture, Mike Nelson. <laughs> I technically am, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know why, but the only thing that really popped in my mind was DuckTales re- the reboot. And that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Good, because I absolutely love hearing David Tennant in his natural voice as Scrooge McDuck. It just warms my soul all the time. 
And just how they took liberties and just changed a few things, making Webby such a powerhouse. Like it was just, a, it's just a great show for me. And and yeah, super sad episode that now it's over. It's not gonna have a season four, which I'm totally jipped because I didn't get my tailspin. Or if <laughs> I did, I saw it. It didn't. I didn't see it. I'm so mad we got the Rescue Rangers. That was lame. I wanted more. <laughs> You're going to get Darkwing Duck out of it. I did get Darkwing Duck. And I'm not yeah. really wanting... I want the backdoor pilot. I don't want Seth Rogen new, which I'll definitely take. But I want to stay in this Duckverse. I want to stay here. Sure. Let me stay here. And also, at the same time, uh, get rid of Disney XD. Just stop it. <laughs> you have a streaming system for a reason. Use it. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, so so Juliet took mine actually with Star Wars. So I am going to so I'm gonna pivot. And so my my super researched best thing of, of the last four years, which I just thought of in the last five minutes, is I'm going to pivot to Star Trek and the sort of revitalization revitalization of Star Trek that's happened in the last few years, first starting with Discovery, but also, and the thing that I'm going to focus a little more on, with Picard, which has finally given us the catharsis we needed from Star Trek Nemesis that we've been carrying with us for so many years of just how, how awful that was to end that franchise with that movie. <laughs> hold on to that like I hold on to my hatred of the prequels. <laughs> right. And to actually get me to be okay with Data's death, that was important. That was meaningful. And so I, I'm going to <laughs> listen to Picard and, and Star Trek died. in general. I mean... It's Data. Yeah, the most important character in all Star Treks. Well, you mean Spock? No, Data. No, Spock is the most important character in all of Star Trek. I will fight you on this one. Look, okay, look. No, the, the, I actually fights. agree with you. I'm just being Okay, dead. I was about to say, like, don't, don't die on this hill, man. Like, don't die on this hill because you're going to lose. Like, Data's very close, though. It's like Spock I, I would and, say, and Spock I would and say Data. data. It, I, I say Data is definitely a, a, a contender, but Spock, I mean, it, it's Spock. Right, yeah. I think you'll find that it's Odo. Uh, <laughs> hey, well, we've know, just look, named my space daughter's space. three favorite Star Trek characters, so yeah, you know. I mean, Deep Space Nine. <laughs> I, I mean, we're, we're not saying what's the best Star Trek ever because it's still Deep Space Nine. Right? right yeah, it's Deep Space uh, Nine. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, best captain of the Cisco. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Sean. I think I out all of <laughs> Episode one hundred: The Royal Rumble. <laughs> right? Like nobody makes it out alive. <laughs> That's Sam's ultimate plan. She's like, Excellent. <laughs> Episode 100, question marks. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, now we find out that the reason Sam hasn't been on the show in so long is she's been preparing her kill list. Right, she's been plotting. <laughs> I mean, do some people refer to me as Jigsaw? Maybe, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and all the all the traps are 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 convenient or like uh like like twisted ways of using archives to kill people. <laughs> okay, I'm nothing if not consistent and stick to my plan. Was it just me or was Sam like channeling Darlene from like Roseanne and the Connors there for a second? Right? Like, did anybody else get that vibe? Like that kind of like yeah, like I was like Darlene. Oh. I've gotten Daria. I've gotten Wednesday Adams. Uh, mostly pale chicks with dark hair. No, yeah, like, but none of general... the ones you mentioned are bad to be compared to. So. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> no, Except not. Darlene, out of all those that we've mentioned, Darlene's the one that actually scares me. Like, mm -hmm. you know, Wednesday oh. Adams, I'm like Wednesday Adams the bro. You know, like Daria, like Daria, you just got to understand. But like Darlene, Darlene always scared me on the Connors and Slash Roseanne. Like, Wednesday she... Adams a bro? She burned people alive. <laughs> 
for her phone. Like, if she was down with you, you were on the protected scrolls, just like Gomez and everybody else. That's like how that worked. But if you were not on the protected scrolls, doom come to your country. <laughs> and they wreck your Thanksgiving Day pageant. Thank That's God. What you know what? Can we just give a shout out to Adam's family values becoming more and more timely and more and more just right on the freaking nose as the years go by? That movie has aged so well. It's just mwah. like. <laughs> I do, I do like unapologetically love those Adams Family. They're so good. No, they're good. They're, so good. they're, they're so good. good. I love them. <laughs> I haven't seen them in a while, but I love those movies. I just watched them for Thanksgiving. That's one of our Thanksgiving movies. Yeah. We watch both of them and back to back. Like the baby David Crumholt before he got all sexy mathematician, and then uh... <laughs> back in the day, if you went to the Paramount Studios in uh, in Texas. They had a whole like foley room where they would play parts of Adam's family movies, and you could do oh, the foley cool. work for them. Oh, that's so cool! I, I was like twelve, so maybe they don't do it anymore. But it was pretty cool. Well, back in the day <laughs> when you could stuff. do the "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids" ride, and they'd green screen you onto the B. Yeah, yes. remember that, right? So, but by by the way, Nathan, going back to your Star Trek revival, I think that we cannot talk about Star Trek being revived without saying Lower Decks is like one of the most amazing things that has ever come out of Star Trek. I love Lower Decks so much. I still haven't seen it. Oh my dude, you've got to get on this lower deck. I have no man. interest, really. <laughs> That's the thing is that you'd think this is going to be stupid. It works so well. <laughs> is that the Seth MacFarlane one or no? That, no, that's uh, the Orville. Okay. Orville. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Lower decks is the cartoon. It's the animated Star Trek yeah. show they're making yeah. now. Well, because the animation style reminds me of it's like Rick and Morty. Mm. It's more Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. The, oh, is yeah. it? Okay. Yeah, but, I didn't oh, have high so hopes good. for it, but uh, I was sold from the cold open. Of the first episode, I was like, "Oh God, that's me and my friend Dietrich right there." It's it's so much fun, dude. Like it, it's you gotta watch it. And, and what I think is great is that it probably shows a much more realistic thing that happens to most Starfleet ships, which is in the the actual title sequence. They show all the stuff that's happening around them, and either they're screwing it up or they're just barely getting out. Like one of the best parts is there's this war between the Borg and the Romulans that are happening, and they just happen to warp in. They see it, they just turn around and warp right the hell back out. <laughs> there's a whole lot of noping going on right there that's what my daughter says like every time we watch star trek and they're like there's a distress signal and she's like why are you heading towards it (laughs) she's like she doesn't understand she's like every time they go to the distress signal bad stuff happens like just stay away Like, seriously, that's what they did. They showed up, and it's like Romulus and freaking, like, Borg fight each other. They're like, oh, hell no. And they just turn around, and they leave. It's so it's funny. Like, not about We can win. They're like, this is because they're an exploratory science vessel. Like, they don't have heavy, like, firepower. So they're just like, mm, I'm out. And they just turn around and go. It's so great. It does make you question the Enterprise. Like, why does an exploratory vessel have weapons like this? Dear Lord. Because they walk softly but carry a big stick. Yeah, and to be fair, though, with the Enterprise, it is definitely the, the, since it is the flagship, it does have a lot more muscle. And it does lend credence to the fact that space is dangerous. Yeah. So you need a lot more kind of just to get through it. But Mm. uh, yeah, I'm telling you, man, the lower decks, it's so freaking, the Cerritos, I love that entire crew. The Cerritos' crew is freaking great. They even have a Bajoran security guard. Their their wharf is 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 a steroided out Bajoran, dude. Um, and he's so freaking amazing because every single time there's a problem, he's basically like, can I throw a fourth torpedo at it? <laughs> like, like, there are problems, like, in the ship. And they're like, we have a science problem. Will a photon torpedo work? No, it will not work. You let me know. I got photon torpedoes. It's brilliant. <laughs> trust me. I mean, it's kind of like Superman yeeting things into the sun. It just, it just works. <laughs> it really does. Oh, God. But anyway, seriously, Nathan, go, go watch. Okay. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it, internet. 
that when discovery is done and i and i'll buy my month of cbs all access because i never buy it for more than a month um you know i'll binge i'll binge discovery and then you know if there's more time left i'll watch lower decks too yeah but there's only like three episodes left of discovery i think we're almost at the end right yeah 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 so when it's done yeah i'll 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 pay for it for a month and i'll binge it because Uh, yeah i i don't i don't i'm not going to just carry cbs all access for one well two shows now with picard but yeah yeah how dare they have multiple shows (laughs) the absolute gall i know right like more stuff for you to watch that you might actually enjoy. How dare they have content? Yeah. That's the name of the episode. How dare they have content? <laughs> <laughs> that kind of right. covers the whole gamut That's of everything right. we talked about. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay. All right. Well, and you were the one, Sean, that was like, I've got a hard stop. Well, we started like, oh, but we got to talk about this. <laughs> we did start a half hour late. So I'm only eight minutes over my 90 minutes. Oh, so okay. I'm, all right. All right. Yeah, Because really, we really didn't even get started until 830. So right. Good. No, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mike. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. All right. So. Um, the gang, the gang eats Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Into the sun, Mike. Apparently it tastes like chicken, so I don't know. Are you Colonel Sanders? I tell you what, I wish I had those abs. <laughs> you can get that necktie though, buddy. You have you seen the thing where the person I, I think they it was because they liked like the KFC Twitter feed, like they, they did a painting of the guy of the person with Colonel Sanders on its back like Yoda? I have seen that, yes. yeah. <laughs> He was like the first person to like the KFC Twitter feed or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what it is about KFC and Wendy's, but whoever like runs their social media needs to like get like all the money that they want because they are both so hilarious. Wendy's has no chill and it's amazing. <laughs> all right. But anyway, <laughs> thank you guys. Cause this was a ton of fun, but uh, we're going to, uh, say our sign outs now so mike why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you uh goodbye aaron webs you can find me over on twitter at this is trex and uh catch some video game goodness over at twitch.tv slash trexlight nathan thank you so much for an amazing four years on this show buddy uh as number three uh of being on the show this is uh quite an honor of getting bronze i have to say <laughs> Oh, Mike, it's so good to have you be on the show, you know, enough that you are the third, you know, uh, like most prolific yet. So, <laughs> but yes, I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed doing the show and, and hopefully for, for a very long time to come also. So, yep, yeah. as long as there's more black lightning, I'm here. All right. Well, <laughs> about that, haven't you heard? I know. I know what I said. Oh, okay. Say, yeah. Like, <laughs> there's only one more season. Like, Mike, I hate to tell you, but oh, no. I'm in denial. Okay. Sure. <laughs> you sweet summer child. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, oh my God. I thought I might have to like, like break the news to him. <laughs> oh, like, oh, my no. title came back. <laughs> All right. <The> sweet summer child. <laughs> <laughs> But Sam, oh my goodness, to have you back on the show has been amazing. So, uh, has it? I mean, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, thankfully, you took James's place as the drinker, so you know, we we had to have somebody represent. Yeah, I'm glad we could fill a void. You can't get liquor in the grocery store here, so I haven't been to one in 
my bar is empty is what I'm saying. (laughs) So what you're saying, you're low key saying to the listeners is please send me liquor however you can. You cannot find me. I don't exist. (laughs) Send your liquor to Utah. (laughs) We're just going to send it to the state of Utah. Care of the state of Utah. There can only be what a dozen people living in Utah. So I mean, if they just write Angie in Utah, it'll get to you, right? They're like, oh, we know Angie. Everybody knows Angie. Oh, no, we know. She went to Sundance that one year. I remember her. (laughs) But yeah, Sam, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? If you choose to want to follow any of my inane ridiculousness, uh, I am on Twitter at darling underscore Sammy, S-A-M-M-Y. I also have uh, the aforementioned website, Pop Archives, which is uh, pop-archives.com. Uh, where I basically write all the things that you kind of hear spewing out of my gourd. <laughs> and Nathan, it has been a pleasure actually just being here. And I haven't been on the podcast in a long time, um, obviously not in terms of the release schedule, but <laughs> it's been great. And I'm looking forward to coming back for Wonder Woman. So, you know. <laughs> all right. No, it's it's great. Congratulations on 100 episodes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no. And, and yeah, Sam, it, it, you're always welcome on the show. I want you to know because uh, oh, yeah, sure. I just no, enjoy having you. I just you. had life. Right. Life got in the way of a lot of things. <laughs> right. But yes, I also look forward to having you talk about Wonder Woman, even if you don't want me to talk about your hair. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> And Nathan's death kicks in an extra five minutes now. It's five minutes longer now. You started it, though, Sean. You started it. (laughs) You know what, though? I'm I'm on. I'm good. I got out of the hole. Okay, you're just digging it deeper. You know, now now there's punji sticks at the bottom of it. No one else can see this but you guys. It's just all up here. Look at that. So, Angie. Angie, you, you being our number two most prolific guest on the show which is it's so funny because before you know i started doing like you know i just started totaling it up just for my own like who's been on the show and when you know and i was totaling it up and you know it's funny who ended up where they ended up because i thought certain people had been on the show way more than they actually have and then there are other people who i was like they weren't on that many were they and then it's like oh wow no they were and so now i'm keeping track of it by just putting all the episodes on imdb so i don't have to total them up but it's <laughs> But yeah, I, initially it was a surprise to me that you were the number two, you know, guest. But thank you so much for being on so many episodes because it's always great having you on and you're always bringing a unique perspective to the show and I appreciate it. I think I am more surprised than you that I've been <laughs> on so much. I mean, to be fair, there's a huge gulf between Ryan and everyone else. Like Ryan is like up here and then it's like you way down here and then... Then Mike and James are very close, you know, to you, you know. <laughs> but Ryan's not making it out of Sam's movie, so I'm, right. so far I'm safe. Although just in case, you still can't find me anywhere. Okay. <laughs> just care of the state of Utah. Right. Back to all of us. <laughs> yes, you remain our exclusive, which I am very proud of. I appreciate that my, my paltry IMDb page is getting filled out with podcast episodes now instead of two shorts. The other crazy, the other crazy thing though was finding out who has an IMDb profile already that I had absolutely no idea. Right, every uh, just about everybody but Mike on this episode already had an IMDb profile. And and I was I've like, never added a single thing to mine. It's all been other people added me. And I'm like, oh, I did do that, didn't I? Yeah, I forgot I had one because it was from college. 
Whoops. And that's when I learned that I would make a really good stalker because I found these obscure IMDb profiles. <laughs> I like messaging people like, is, is this you? <laughs> Oh, uh, you found me. That's it. <laughs> he found it. Jesus. Yes, but congratulations. It has been a pleasure to be a part of this. Oh, yeah, 100 episodes. <laughs> Thanks, Angie. And Sean. Yo. Without you, I wouldn't be doing this show. Uh, I don't know. That's not necessarily true. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's true. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, so I appreciate, uh, you know, uh, having the chance to work with you. I appreciate just being your friend for all these years. Uh, thank you for, for contributing to the show, talking about... you. We, I, I can always rely on you to talk about The Flash. <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah, absolutely, you can. Uh, you, and you know me. I, I'm here for all things Flash, even when I hate it. I'm, I'm still right. going to show up, and I want to tell you why I hate it, but I'm still going to be there because he's my boy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know what? If you're a fan, you don't abandon your boys or your girls or <laughs> Or your thems when they betray you, okay? Like right now, Alien is going through some hard times because it's starting over at Marvel, and I just don't know what to do about this. 35 <laughs> years of good Alien at Dark Horse. I'm not sure Dark Horse has like much left to like survive on because Disney keeps buying every franchise that they've been licensing. Those bastards, right? No, yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense though. They're consolidating, but but no, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. And, and thanks for kind of taking the mantle and just kind of running with it because, you know, uh, uh, I don't know if we've talked about this a lot, but I just kind of burned out. I needed to get away and kind of do something different. And Nathan's like, hey, I'm doing this thing. And it's like, all right go do the thing you know and i was pissy about it at first i don't know if anybody knows this i was actually pissy at nathan for like the first year he's doing this and i was kind of like f nathan going and basically doing my show without me but then i was like you know what then i really sat down i thought about i was like you know the fun of doing these kind of shows is that you get to hang out with your friends you get to do cool things and you get to talk about the stuff that you love and i've always preached be the person that encourages your friends to do the stuff that you love. Don't tell them they can't. Tell them that they can. And I was like, it's life's too damn short to be petty. Life's too damn short to, to hold on to stupid, ridiculous, like just made up beef. Just just enjoy life and, and boost up your friends. So, dude, 100 episodes, that is, that is not a small feat. And I'm proud of you. And I'm glad that you've gotten to this. And I hope you keep doing it. And I'm glad that you're still just, just running with it and, and having fun with it. Because that's important, especially in times like this where things feel dark and things feel like they're not always happy. You need moments where you can just giggle and laugh with your friends and talk about why Justice League is the greatest superhero movie ever made. Fight me, Sam. I'm here for it. No, I'm not. I will fight you. <laughs> I'm really not. No, I'm not. I'm just picking. I'm just Sam picking a fight. versus Sean. Fight. No, Sam will win this one. I mean, no. I mean, I like the Justice League movie, but I admit yeah. it, it is full of BS. Going up in a scrunchie. Yeah, I mean, she, she's, she's scrunching okay. up. The she's Snyder ready. Cut will fix everything. Oh, God. Like, look, I'm going to show up. I'm going to watch it. But, oh, God. It's, mm. <laughs> oh, believe me, since, since I'm going to be paying for HBO Max now anyway, I'm going to watch it when it drops But because I, I have this sort of mor- morbid curiosity. But <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Like, I'm showing up because I'm like, okay, how how badly did they beat this animal, right? Like, just like how badly. And only in slow-mo. That's the only way. <laughs> But no, but seriously though, I, I I really do appreciate the fact that you you know you keep the the, the spirit of what we were trying to do back in the Sean Cassidy days going, uh, and you've done your own thing with it, and and it really warms my heart because you know for you to say I wouldn't even do this without you that that that's a really kind thing to say, and I, I'm I'm happy to say that I'm really proud of what you've done, I'm really proud of what you're doing, and I, I can't wait to see what you do for another hundred episodes. So thank you for having me on. 
thank you for allowing me to rant about the flash and, and, and just come up with BS to, to make up where we make up an entire movie script because of archivists, <laughs> because <laughs> seriously, Sam, you need to write this now because I want this in my life. Okay. So, <laughs> like I, I need this in my life and I won't leave the weapon references. I, all of it, like uh, the, the whole thing, just somebody write it. I need to read this. My lethal weapon jig. Oh, it saw, uh, <laughs> yes. Deanna Jones. Like, <laughs> This yes, is going to be the yes. epic crossover. Like, screw the Marvel universe. I will make Absolutely. a new universe. <laughs> this is it. Oh, I- I'm sorry. I was supposed to shout out where I was, where you can find me. You can find me online at Numa Z or Pop Cycle Bobbles. My wife and I make artwork. We travel to conventions when they are happening. Uh, we sell our artwork face to face. So come and find us. And uh, again, thank you so much uh, uh, for letting me on here, Nathan. And, and I hope you have hundreds more episodes. Well, thank you, Sean. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, thank you for coming on the show. And also. You run your own virtual con that might come back at some point. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. So you can also find us at Twitch uh, forward slash, sorry, dot TV forward slash pop cycled, which is the home of pop pop con con, which is this virtual convention that we did just for fun. It was a completely free thing that we did just for, for kind of just, just just poops and giggles over um, with a list October. With with amazing A-list guests, Nathan was there. Um, uh, I was wasn't amazing. talking about myself, but thank you. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! If you're gonna make the plug, right? Make the plug. You know? um, but no, it was actually a lot of fun. We we had a lot of fun, folks, on there. It was I forget how many guests we had. It was it was a good. It was in the twenties, I, I think. I mean, easily we had a lot of guests. And, and I mean, yeah, and, and um, yeah, I mean, and, and and even though I you know I was saying you know like like a list guests, but I mean people that are known in in social yeah. media for press and 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 you know things that like that. So I mean, it wasn't. It, it was an impressive list, or just a con yeah, that I you just put it. together one day because you were like, I want to have people have fun. <laughs> in COVID, yeah, when, literally, when we can't and, go to guns. See, this is how it always starts. And Nathan's exactly right. This is how it always starts with me. I'm like, hey, let's just do a stupid thing because I want to feel like being stupid. And they're like, okay. And then we all go walk into the stupid thing. We're like, okay, that was fun. Let's do it again. <laughs> all right. You know, that that's that's literally how my D and D games have started. My role playing games have started. That's how we started my podcast way back in the day. That's how we started doing that radio show that we we were trying to. I mean, all the projects that I've ever done and and found some kind of weird kind of success or just a uh, fun has just basically been like I'm going to do something stupid and let's see if it happens. And it does, and, and I'm I'm incredibly grateful to that. And it's because uh, of of everybody. It's because of all the people out there who are just like, hey, this sounds like a fun ride. Let's go try it. And we all have fun doing it. And again, I have to say, Nathan, I I'm always impressed at the fact that you keep that energy going as well. You've taken that idea and you keep on going with it. And and I hope that you inspire somebody to do it one day, and then they inspire somebody. And and if that energy keeps going, that that's that's how we keep the positive moving in our life. So again, just fantastic kudos. But yes, Pop Cycle Bobbles will return, and uh, we are going to be doing some intermittent panels through the year where we're just going to do stuff like this where we're just going to have people on the air on twitch and we're just going to you know have like a, a an episode so it'll be fun very cool but uh yeah thanks for for coming on sean thank you for having me thank you thank you all right and finally juliet my co-host with time streams the one person because i put it out there i was like who's willing to watch all of doctor who with me and then like juliet's the one person like i'll do it <laughs> i haven't seen classic who before so right the perfect topic. oh oh i'm pretty sure most of the people on the oh. facebook page have not seen classic doctor who all the way through before wait, wait i feel like chopped liver because i'm doing the same thing <laughs> 
Yeah, you you've done it already though. Well, one time. One time, yeah. You're going through it now again, but yeah, <laughs> you're one well, of the few who so has well. seen it all. <laughs> I am fully experiencing terrible beds that turn people into psychos, horrible, <laughs> and some of the worst pickup lines I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah, some of those may not actually be intended as pickup lines, but you've made them weird. <laughs> you should see my queen. Yeah, no, it's awful. no, my caravan is quite large, is my the one that you said large. was a weird pickup line. Out of context, Doctor Who. Yeah, out of context, Doctor Who. But yeah, yeah, like the, the OG beds and the TARDIS were ridiculous. <laughs> And Juliet was like, drives people insane because it was a story about people going insane. So, <laughs> Oh, God. They're like shaped like the letter S turned on its side. It's like, why would you want to lay on something like that? That looks really uncomfortable. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so Juliet, thank you for, for joining me on time streams and doing 42 cast episodes with me. And yeah, so why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Bye, everybody. It's been fantastic to be involved in the 100th episode, especially with Sean, considering I met you through Sean Casting. That's true. Uh, so that was pretty cool. I actually but met everyone but Angie through Sean, even though I later found out that Mike is like a good friend of the, my wife's maid of honor at her wedding <laughs> <laughs> after so meeting him cool. through Sean. But yeah, so this is, it's really been an honor to be here and hanging out with you guys and talking the most ridiculous things while my cat jumps up into my face. But you can find me online, obviously, at Time Streams at our awesome podcast, which you should listen to as I point to the screen that y'all can't see. Yeah, and I will point out, very, I just want to insert in there, you don't have to have watched the episode to listen to Time Streams because we explain the episode to you. So if you feel like, oh, man, I don't want to watch those old 60s episodes or whatever, you don't have to. You just get our great commentary and it will make sense. It is fantastic commentary, trust me. But um, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore visible underscore elf or on Instagram at at Rumi Elf, R-U-M-I-E-L-F. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. All right. And yeah, again, thank you, Juliet, for being part of the show. And thank you, everybody that has been on the show. And thank all of you who are listening for listening for hopefully 100 episodes. <laughs> if you haven't, go back and listen to the ones you haven't. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been a lot of fun and, and I, I'm not stopping anytime soon. So here's to the next 100. Woo! Woo! All right, take care, everybody. You have been listening to the 42Cast, copyright 2020. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. And now, outtakes.
think you could probably get out of debt very quickly if you were to create a university to create dark archivists. Because I kind of, I kind of <laughs> don't right, care whether or not I go into the field as long as I can put it on a piece of paper that I got a degree in that shit. <laughs> in dark archivism, yes. I, I just feel like dark archivist is one of those like professions that it's like one of those things where somebody wants to be thought of as a villain so badly, so they keep insisting that they're not an archivist, they're a dark archivist, but sure. really they're just an archivist. There's actually, I think, um, what uh, Pathfinder has a dark archives. Uh, <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, so I know that that exists. I'm an epidemiologist too. That's not what I do. I don't care. I just have the piece of paper that says that's what I am. Yeah, I have it on my Twitter bio. I just say like, "What Lord High Executioner of Archives and in like digital necromancer?" Like, who the hell? No one's gonna back that up. <laughs> you know, someday somebody's going to. They're gonna be like, "Holy!" <laughs> <shit>. They're like, <laughs> Look. She, she did a whole episode where she just took people to school to archivism. Like, that's archivism. <laughs> Is that archivism? No, it's not a word. Uh, oh no like see that's how so that's how the, okay that's how your movie starts right somebody says archivism and like just like you just see like the goose pimple of the flag like oh it just no it's just like a dark shadow appears behind them and it's just like <laughs> right just oh it's on now the dark archivist she's back oh, <laughs> see i'm telling you it's a movie that's series that's really new gotham villain that's who ends up in the next batman movie <laughs> There you go. Batman has to talk about archives. No, you're you're going to be, unfortunately, because of the budgets that are, are currently going on inside of WB, you're going to be the main villain for Titans season three. Sure. So you're... Why not? <laughs> <laughs> this has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the T Public store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.